her nickname from Sawyer is definitely Laptop. Yes. Oh! Yes, it's Laptop. Oh! <laughs> but, like, also think of the word Laptop. What does that even mean? I don't know if I want to be a Laptop. <laughs> I'm not out here sitting on people. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 22-year-old film student from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have far too much knowledge regarding things that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 Script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. The Parks and Rec character that I most like is apparently Ben. I don't know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 27-year-old writer in Vancouver, B.C., I'm on Twitter at Appertania, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. I'm a Hufflepuff who is more forgetful than Neville Longbottom. The Parks and Rec character that I am most like is Anne? I think yes. I I think Anne. That makes me happy. And we would love to introduce our lovely guest for this episode. We've never had a guest before, so it's really, really exciting. Sarah, talk about your life. I will. I'm super excited to be doing this. Hi, guys. I'm Sarah. I'm a writer, and I'm 29 years old. I live in San Jose, California. I am absolutely 100% a Ravenclaw. <laughs> uh, I've seen this show a lot. I've watched it all the way through more times than I should probably admit. Relatable. So, yeah, I've seen it a lot. Uh, my favorite characters are Kate. Kate. Absolutely Kate, but also Hurley. Or Ben. Or Miles. It's a problem. She loves all our favorites. Yes. Yep. I like everyone. I can be found on social media at Oscar Miked on Twitter and at Nolzian on Tumblr. And a fun fact about me is that I can open both doors and bananas with my feet. That's pretty sweet. And what, what Parks and Rec character are you most like? Oh, God, right. I'm Leslie. <laughs> yeah. How'd you figure out you can open bananas with your feet? Yeah, well, you hold you hold the banana like you curl uh-huh. um, your toes around the banana with one foot, uh-huh. and you kind of have to be really careful because it's very hard to do this. And admittedly, sometimes I cheat a little and like squish the banana top so it's easier to open. But like, but how does just... one discover they have this talent? One is very, very, very bored as a teenager. <laughs> oh, okay, that would do it. It was one of those things, like, you have to find something stupid you can do to impress people at camp, and bananas was my thing. <laughs> Robin's is, I've watched Lost seven times. <laughs> Today we have words to say about episodes 103 and 104 of Lost, Tabula Rasa, and Walkabout. Did I say it, did I say it right? Tabula Rasa, yeah. Alright. Starting with Tabula Rasa, we're gonna take a look at the title. The title is Tabula Rasa. Wow! <laughs> Cool, okay. (laughs) Something that's cool. It's Latin, and fun fact, there are three Lost episodes with Latin titles, and this is one of three, of the, the, the first of three, and yeah, there's also one called Deus Ex Machina in season one, and Ab Eterno in season six, and it means clean slate. It's a a reference to a philosophical thesis developed by 17th century philosopher. Say it with me. John John Locke. Locke. Surprise. (laughs) Yeah. 
so it, it, it meant that the, the mind of the individual was born blank and emphasized the individual's freedom to author his or own soul. So, cool. That's, that's, yeah. That's what some people would think is cool. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Like me. <laughs> the broadcast date for this episode was October 6th, 2004. It was written by Damon Lindelof and directed by Jack Bender. And now we're going to start with our one-minute recap. Brittany, do you think you can do this in one minute? <laughs> Absolutely do not. All right, well, I'll speed it up for you. Do this. So what we do each episode is a mini version of the Lost in 8 and 15 Minutes uh, recap, which is that we try and recap the episode in under a minute. So I'm going to give this a shot. It's going to be interesting. Okay, ready? Kate wakes up in a farm in Australia. It's weird. Don't worry, it's actually the past, and a nice farmer tells her she can stay. On the island, Jack and the Marshal have a nice talk. Turns out, Kate is a fugitive. The Adventure Squad have a campfire and talk about lying to the other survivors about the signal. Classy. The group return to the beach. Jack gives Kate a chance to fess up. She doesn't. He goes and raids some dead bodies for supplies instead, but surprise, Sawyer got there first. In the past, Kate and Ray go on a road trip. Turns out, Ray turned her in for the reward money. Not so classy. The marshal wakes up and tries to kill Kate. Michael promises Walt he'll find his dog. The marshal asks Kate if she thinks he's gonna die. Sorry, dude, you are. In Australia, Kate and the marshal have a bit of a fender bender. She saves Ray's life, but gets caught by the marshal at last. Bummer. On the island, someone puts the marshal out of his misery. Was it Kate? No, it was Sawyer, and he bungled the job. Jack has to finish it instead. The next day, Locke finds Vincent and gives the credit to Michael to make him seem like a good dad. And Jack thinks everyone deserves a clean slate. Everyone looks around contemplatively. The end. This is my applause for you. We're going to begin with all the stuff that happens on the island and then move into flashbacks and talk when we want to talk. Maybe you don't want to talk at all. Yeah, it's over now. It'll be, it's an experimental podcast. Just an hour yeah. of silence per episode where we think about things. That sounds like the like easiest podcast the atmosphere I've ever of our rooms. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. I am sure that some art student somewhere has decided to make a podcast entirely of silence. Absolutely. 100%. Now I kind of want to hear it. <laughs> I do too. Be like, All right. What on Beginning. <laughs> Robin's like, enough nonsense. <laughs> I have a limited amount of time. Let's do this. All right. All right. Okay. So the first thing we see is Claire is like sifting through stuff. Um, the Marshall's like delusional. And then Jack realizes that he's talking about Kate because he sees Kate's mugshot. The marshal sounds weirdly sexist. Like, all the stuff he's yelling is very creepy. <laughs> it's so creepy. I would agree. It's And it's interesting. Like, this is another thing where rewatching Lost, you know, a good almost 15 years in the future... It, some of some of it holds up great, and then some of it does not hold up so great. And mm -hmm. the way the marshal responds to Kate, the way men in general respond to Kate, is perhaps one of the things that has not held up quite so well. Straight up, everyone is very kind of gross around her. I have in my notes, Kate Austin is here to take you on a patriarchy tour. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Kate. T-shirt, T-shirt. You want to re wear a t-shirt that says that? Yes. Yeah, I do. Okay. I think I'm clever, so I definitely support Robin thinking I'm clever. All right. Someone <laughs> write it down. Hey, I just gave you your first marketing opportunity, so you're welcome. All right. Thanks. 
We're also going to have a t-shirt that says, I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas. Yes, I would buy that t-shirt. Yay! (laughs) Great, okay. We have a market of two! (laughs) Score! (laughs) Something that I wrote down, and I probably, like, I didn't have a lot of time this week, so I did this, like, way earlier in the week, and, like, now I'm like, what do these notes even mean? (laughs) I wrote, Jack is wearing a different shirt. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess Jack is wearing a different shirt... And then when I was watching it at the end, at the end of the episode, I wrote down, Kate is in Jack's shirt. <laughs> so, I think that, like, because in the first episodes, he's wearing, like, this plain white shirt, and then I think his shirt turns to, like, a pinstripe thing or something, and then Kate is wearing this white shirt, and so I thought, I'm not sure, but I noticed that, and now I'm confused. <laughs> There, there's a little bit of costume continuity, let's say fudging, shall we say. I noticed the make and model of the wheelchair changes between oh. the pilot and now. Wow. I just, like, I think you're supposed to assume that they raid suitcases. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, I know. I'm just like, why is Kate wearing Jack's shirt? Ooh. <laughs> Was there an island hookup? Hashtag Jake content. <laughs> Jake. Oh. Robin's here. She's here for the Jake. <laughs> Until. Until Confidence Man. Yes. Yeah. So Sawyer and Boone are fighting over who's better looking. Okay, who would win? I'm on Team Sawyer. I'm on Team Sawyer too. I'm so sorry, Ian Summerholder. He's very, very pretty. He has beautiful eyes, but it's always. Yeah, Sawyer. I'm also on Team Sawyer. Yeah. Yeah, like Ian Summerholder is a very pretty dude. Yes. They're both they're both just like the best. But it's like, yeah. yeah. This island does not lack for pretty people. Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely not. It, I love that convenient thing in TV shows where like only beautiful people survive plane crashes or the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they always made it like Lost does pretty well with the makeup situation, not making them look like they had someone out there to give them eyeliner every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it is it is definitely the most dewy-eyed and fresh-faced version of surviving that you could do. Yeah. Yeah, Kate's, Kate always looks vaguely dewy, and I'm like, you're so beautiful. How you doing this, girl? Why isn't your hair greasy? So, so or I think Saeed is the one who wants to make camp and stop, uh, but Sawyer wants to keep going <laughs> because <laughs> he's dumb. We should just not Sometimes. listen to Sawyer. Yeah, his, probably not. His ideas don't tend to be fantastic. That's such a generous thing to say of Sawyer. <laughs> Josh's hair is a little bit longer in these episodes because it it's been like months since they shot the pilot. I was actually wondering that. Yeah. I was watching it, I turned to my cousin and I said, "Why does Sawyer all of a sudden look like Sawyer and not like a baby?" Yeah, right though. <laughs> yeah. Pay no attention to the lack of haircut behind the curtain. <laughs> I just want to mention that Saeed's visual aid to talk about the plane crash is like way more realistic than freaking Jack's. It's a nice from episode stick. One. Nice stick. A nice it is a nice stick. stick, and it's not a ridiculous plane made of leaf that there's no freaking way. Hey, he spent time on that, okay? Yeah, okay. That was his stress relief art project. I was gonna say mm-hmm. this is a 
a pretty nice way to work in some exposition, just in case the audience hadn't put together everything that they'd already told us about what happened. Yeah. Usually when people sit down and talk about what's going on, it's fairly clunky. But that was a that was a nice way to get in, you know, let's just make sure everybody's on the same page here without it sounding like people are just discussing things they shouldn't be discussing. <laughs> Yeah, whenever you have someone teaching, like, another, like, the group something, it's like, oh, okay, this is for the audience, but I don't feel, pan- like, condescended to. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. not like that sci-fi thing where two people sit down and are like, remember how things work in this universe? I do, buddy friend. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. The, the things thing. everyone knows. But we'll just repeat it, just in case. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I've never discussed traffic lights and how they work with people. <laughs> I want to point out that this is the first time that Sawyer calls Kate Freckles. Yes. Oh. And like, wow, let me just cry. I thought we weren't shipping that until Confidence Man. Though another thing that has not yeah. aged well, the nickname Abdul. Oh, yeah. Yep, probably not. I have that in my notes. It's just Abdul all in caps with a bunch of question marks after it. <laughs> Mine is Abdul in quotation marks and it just says Sawyer no. <laughs> Sawyer no. Like I, right. I I know he could be better. It's uh this seems like as good a time as any to mention this, but Sawyer's casual racism is another piece of the show that hasn't aged terribly well. Yeah. And it's he he aims it towards Jin, he aims it towards Hurley, although he concentrates more on the weight thing with Hurley. But yeah. he also, like, whenever he does it, I just wince, because I know he's, you know, it's the he's damaged, and he's trying to be a jerk, but inside he's hurting. But on the <laughs> other hand, maybe we couldn't make the signifier for that racism? Like, that would be cool. Yeah. That would be great. Casual racism, casual misogyny. Yep. That's season one Sawyer. It's, it's interesting, too, because they clearly know it's offensive. Because you have Charlie, when he calls uh, Saeed Al Jazeera, Charlie's like, that's a network, idiot. But yeah. that's the level of call-out. not even a good out. nickname. Your racism <laughs> is inaccurate. Which it is. If you're gonna be racist, do it right. Right? It's that thing of like, you guys tried. I can see that you were on the right path here. But it didn't end where it should have. God. It's just, it's so hard to watch because like, you know later, like, Pat Sawyer would look back and be like, oh, what'd you do, dude? (laughs) Right? Like, Juliet would not stand for that. Season 5 Sawyer is appalled at season 1 Sawyer's behavior. (laughs) Lafleur's looking back like, I did wrong. I did wrong. <laughs> so Said says that he does not want to tell the rest of the people on the beach because hope. And then we go down to the beach. And Brittany, why don't you talk a little bit about the dinosaur discourse? Um, so dinosaurs. <laughs> yep, go. Yes. Okay, I would just like to say in Hurley's defense that it is no less plausible that a T-Rex is out there eating people than what is actually out there eating people. Like, at this moment, we don't even know what it is, right? It could no. be a T-Rex. It, like, it could be. There's something pulling people out of planes and, like, chasing them around the jungle, and it makes really scary noises. There's no reason to think it's not a dinosaur on an island where polar bears still exist. And I've seen Jurassic Park. T-Rexes can knock over trees. 100% they can. That's just science talking, baby. 
Yeah. So, I am on Team Hurley on this one. It could very well be a dinosaur. I'm on Team Hurley on most things. I wanted to... I, I found an interesting kind of leadership contrast between Jack and Saeed here. Mm-hmm. When, like, when people don't understand things with Jack, he's not incredibly patient about it. Like, we even see... You know, with his with Boone, he kind of sends him off on a wild goose chase rather than explain to him that this is just yep. not the time. Yeah, yep. When you have that scene at the fire with Saeed, he pokes some gentle fun at Charlie. The whole "if only we were all wearing license plates," mm-hmm. and then when Charlie gets offended, Saeed just calmly explains why you know that idea while. Perhaps a good logical first leap is not going to work for them in a way that's not condescending or jerky. Like, he's able to communicate in a way that makes me feel like the echoes of Saeed, who was meant to be the leader, are still hanging around. Because Saeed is a better leader. He just is. He's better with people. Yeah. And he has more skills. I just want to point out, Saeed's in the background, like... Here's how we ration. And why don't we build shelters? We need water. Yeah, exactly. Who's going to be in charge of that? I can fix this radio. I love Saeed. He can do anything. It's like, I get Jack the doctor making sense in terms of leadership, but in terms of like actual overall leadership, Saeed is far superior. He definitely, definitely is. And it's, it's interesting, especially because if you look at his skill set, mm-hmm. he's like the perfect person for the job. He's ex-military. He has all these skills. He can apparently fix anything. And then he's, you have Jack. A superhero. <laughs> and then and there's Jack. Jack who tries to fix everything. God love you, Jack. God love you. Like, you even look at anybody else who would be a potential leader, like Jack, Saeed, Sawyer, probably not. Definitely not in season one. No, Kate. Michael probably wouldn't do great. Charlie wouldn't do great. Even Locke. Like, Locke's probably the closest that we get to someone that could rival Saeed, but Locke has, like, (laughs) anger issues sometimes. Locke Locke has the disadvantage of being Locke. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's interesting how you do see kind of, like, this array of leadership types. Mm-hmm. But Desaid is definitely, and I think it's interesting that you, because uh, you guys mentioned that Jack was supposed to die last podcast. Shout out to right. you guys. <laughs> but having the having Kate be such a great emotional leader, like that, you know, the moment a little bit later where everyone is very comfortable with Kate having a gun. Mm-hmm. So you've got Saeed, the practical leader, and Kate, the emotional leader, and it's it's right. There's a little bit of friction once Jack is still in the mix, and I think a lot of that comes down to seeing where the two of them were meant to be without Jack and finding a way to put Jack back in there. And I, I don't feel like it works. No. At all. I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Because the whole casting suspicion on kate thing like it it makes her sort of like the unreliable leader but without jack there it also makes it so that she would be able to grow past it 
and have people trust her a lot faster. But now it's like, well, now it's more about what Jack has to say about the topic than everyone else and Kate. Oh, Jack. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, speaking, speaking of leadership, since apparently I'm mining that vein, it was interesting seeing Hurley and Jack's different reactions to, to Kate's mugshot. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked that Hurley has, he's afraid, like fear is driving him at this point. He's scared that Kate is a criminal who might hurt someone, mm-hmm. but he has the proper reaction when Jack is like, yeah, I know this thing. And I just didn't mention it to her. <laughs> Hurley's like, but you should, because yeah. that's what you should do. Like, and it's interesting because Jack kind of holds it over her head. Like, you know, a cat with like just a cat toy. And Hurley is like, no, you should probably tell her what you know. Yeah, I don't like Jack's choice to keep it a secret. I don't like it either. Mm -mm. We go back to the marshal and he, his wound is infected and he's probably going to die. Which we know that he does. Also, I'm in film school mindset, I guess, because instead of writing Hurley finds mugshot, I wrote Hurley finds headshot. (laughs) (laughs) Were you like super tired when you wrote your notes? (laughs) I don't know. I don't remember this, but I know what I mean, at least. So that's good. Oh, good. That's the important so, part. So, you know, like we were saying, Hurley is terrified. One of my favorite scenes in this whole episode is when he sees Kate and is just, like, terrified and just, like, stares at her. And then when she turns around and has the gun in the back of her pants, he's like, I must leave immediately. <laughs> <laughs> he's the worst liar in the world. <laughs> he's like me near a bee. Normally when people on TV are bad liars, I kind of roll my eyes because nobody lies like that. But Mm. I'll accept it on Hurley. I feel like that's probably how Hurley lies. It's so relatable the way Hurley realizes, like, I don't know how to cover this up, so I'm gonna go. I gotta leave now. It's like, tell Hurley a secret. He's like Hagrid in that way. You tell him a secret, and then it's like, everybody knows. Hurley's the island gossip. I love Hurley. Yeah. He's such a nice person. <laughs> like he's he's such like a breath a breath of fresh air. Especially on a show where everyone's time. like, I have secret trauma and damage. Hurley's The mo the people are the most fun, Hurley and Charlie. Yes. And like they <laughs> are, have that are the they have that same thing. They just are such different characters from everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it it definitely is uh I mean they have their yet to be revealed past of their own. And Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. interesting that on this show, the drug addict is one of, like, the guy who's in serious emotional and physical danger from his addiction is one of our more healthy players. It's It's real, though. That's so sad. Going back up to the mountain. Yes. um, Boone tries to steal the gun. (sighs) Shannon reveals that um, he doesn't believe in guns. He goes on marches. And he's like, no, I don't. Don't go on marches, Shannon. <laughs> like, no, I don't. Don't give me credit for being a good dude. <laughs> I'm trying to be manly here. He's been called, like, Prince Charming and, like, Captain America. And you're like, oh, Boone. He's trying so hard to sort of be an alpha male, and he's not that person at all. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's, and it's it's kind of interesting seeing how Boone watches, like the people around him with the strongest personalities and kind of wants to be like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're now in everybody has a gun and we're talking tough territory, so that's where Boone needs to be. 
Exactly. Which is a is great strategically, except that Boone can't pull it off. No. Not at all. No, definitely not. Whereas someone like Kate kind of pulls that off, where she watches people and then sees how they react to things and then swoops in later. Yep. So, they, yeah, speaking of Kate, they decide that they should give it to her instead, because, get it? It's irony. <laughs> is that what irony is? Yeah. Oh, okay. After we have, like, a little break where it's a flashback, they're all back on the beach, and Saeed is making a speech that we sort of discussed already where you do this, you do this, you do this, and he wants everyone's electronics because he wants to fix things. But what would you do? Would you say, yeah, yeah, take my laptop because uh, I wouldn't? Heck no. If he said I need your phone, I'd be like, good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Over my dead body, sir. I'm, I'm going to be the outlier here and say if there's no internet service, I'm keeping my phone because it can play music and then he can have my laptop if he wants it. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's a good compromise. You can take the laptop, but I'm keeping the phone. I just have so many things on there. But, like, how are we going to charge these things? I don't know, but, like, I'm still... Maybe I'm still on the boat that thinks that we're getting rescued in a couple days. If Robin's on the island, she's just going to carry her computer around in her bag, like, carried like one of those uh baby slings just like the cradling the laptop to her chest running Mm -hmm. from monsters running through the jungle with the laptop there strapped so i have no defense of this at all her nickname from sawyer is definitely laptop yes oh yes it's laptop if we just broke you or made your life. I know, I can't decide either. What sound was that? Right? But, like, also think of the word laptop. What does that even mean? I don't know if I want to be a laptop. (laughs) I'm not out here sitting on people. (laughs) And, see, my first response to that is, I'll, I'll go sit on Sawyer's lap. Like, yeah, if, if that's, no, thing, that's what I'm needs saying. to happen, I volunteer his tribute. I'll, I'll do it, guys. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll For the team. I'll Holloway's lap. It'll be hard. You're so oh, selfless. No, I didn't make that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You did, though. Oh, no, Sarah. That was inadvertent. I meant difficult. I meant okay. difficult. Robin's like, I'm leaving. <laughs> Robin, we're sorry. We'll stop. <laughs> So Jack and Kate are going to go talk, and Kate's like, I need to tell you something. And you're like, ooh. Is it it? What's it going to be? And, you know, Hurley's watching them go, and he's like, don't get murdered, Jack. You never know. She's dangerous. And instead, she decides to tell Jack about the transmission, because he needs to know, because he's the main character. Ugh. You know, he got to make some decisions, I guess. Yes, because the first person who should be in charge is Jack. I love the moment when she, like, turns around and goes, uh, the man with the shrapnel in his side, like, is he, how's he doing, or whatever. And, like, we all know, we're like, you know that guy. You know what his name is. It's so casual. It's like a, it's like a girl asking a guy, like, so, um, did he ask about me? Like, or, like, did he say anything, or? I think there's a thread there, too, of, like, Kate reads people. I'm sure she can tell that something is going on, given Hurley's 
sudden new panic about her. Mm-hmm. It felt like the, in that scene, she's basically asking Jack without asking him, do you know? Like, the right. fact that she immediately swaps to, so that guy with the shrapnel. And then Jack, of course, does not tell her the thing she would like to know. And then Hurley and Jack talk about it later, and he's like, um, don't you want to know what, what she did? And he, he just, he doesn't. He doesn't want to know. Well, I do! Right? <laughs> on, a, on account of I forgot, and so I really can't remember. <laughs> Season two, my friend. God. You don't remember what Kate did? Episode, What Kate Does. Yeah, I remember the episode called What Kate Does, but I couldn't tell you what Kate did. We would love to talk all about it in the spoilers section. Yes. All right. So, Jack wants to go through the overheads, and he's like, so, but it's okay, I'll do it by myself. And Hurley's like, cool, bye! You can go hang out with the dead bodies, that's fine, bye. I'm not into it, see ya. Hurley's like, I'll be your partner in most things, but this is not one. Here's the thing is, I probably would go with Jack. Oh my god, I so wouldn't. No, I would, because you need the stuff in there. I don't think I'm going to do it. I don't think I want to get into a hot, sweaty tin can with a bunch of dead bodies. <laughs> if well, I have to, time. I'll do it. But if someone yes. else is going to volunteer, Jack can go right ahead. Okay, that's a fair point. Like, if I don't have to do it, I won't. But, like, I would if oh, I yeah, needed to. Oh, yeah, I would to. do it. Like, if I was trapped there alone and I had no one else, mm-hmm. I'd go do it. But if Jack wants to go hang out with the corpses, well, then Jack can hang out with corpses. <laughs> In this scenario, I'm chilling with Claire, I think. I agree. Yeah. Claire seems to be living her best life at this point. Like, everyone else has a yeah. bunch of drama and Claire's getting getting it done. Yep. Yep. So once they get into the plane and Jack's looking around, Sawyer scares him and it's, like, adorable because he's, like, trick-or-treating. Same as you. Did you guys wonder if he, like, heard Jack can't come in and then just sat quietly for a little bit <laughs> so he could mess with him? Almost certainly. Because he's already in there. And there aren't any sounds. He must have just been like, I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna scare him. I wonder how long he was sitting there, like, how long Jack was rifling through things before Sawyer was like, this is my moment. He had to It's my it time to shine. So what Sawyer found was booze, smokes, and a couple of Playboys, which is like Sawyer, Sawyer, and Sawyer. He's reading them for the articles, okay? And Jack's like, well, I'm looking for medicine. And doesn't that just sum them both up? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I'm a get, I have in my notes, I'm a get mine versus no I in team. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's their relationship in a nutshell. Yep. Sawyer's out here embracing island life. And it's, the thing too is, Sawyer kind of has a point. Wasting all your antibiotics on the guy who really doesn't have that great a chance of survival is, I mean, Hippocratic Oath versus what happens if we have someone we might be able to save, but oops, I used all the medicine. Well, that's kind of what's happening in season four of The Hundred right now. Yeah, I've... This ep- these two episodes gave me, especially this first one, gave me some major hundred flashbacks. Right mm-hmm. down to the uh, Jasper moment at the end. Yep. Yep. I feel like someone on the hundred watched Lost. They all watched Lost and they all watched Battlestar and they were like, what would happen if we mashed these two together? That's like literally it. Yeah. Though. I love it. So they're like, let's get an actor from Lost, let's get an actor from Battlestar and we're good to go, let's go. Half the actors from Battlestar. Literally half of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're all gone now. 
P. No, uh, Dad Miller. Oh, Dad Miller's still there. I totally forgot. You're right. Mm-hmm. Never I mind. I'm BSG people. You win. So, Charlie has the wheelchair, and he's out here helping Claire. Fun fact, her necklace is the Mandarin symbol for love. Oh. Oh. So, that's the thing. I had to look that up, because I didn't actually know. Because Claire's that girl. Yep. Yep. Uh, Son finds Jin's bag, but it's not. And he tells her to wash up, and that he loves her. What? And I'm like, okay. Okay, what... This is, like, the other part of Lost that didn't age well, is nope. everyone is so badly stereotyped, so, like, of course Jin is, like, the controlling co- Korean husband. Yeah. Right? Yep. Who, like, thinks that, like, Sun needs to, like, preserve her modesty and be clean and all of this stuff, and I'm like, why? 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 And especially just, it's very, it's one of those things where... We have a vast array of white characters who represent, you know, a whole spectrum of life experiences. Mm-hmm. And then you have the one Iraqi guy, who of course was in the Iraqi Guard. Yep. You have the Koreans, who the guy is a mobster, and he's super. he got super, you know, he at this point in the story, he's super overprotective, and we don't know if we like him. They're not, like, he's the most... Korean version of what someone who has only seen other people represent Koreans who are not Korean think Koreans are. It's just yep. the greatest, like, also Sawyer conclusion. Sawyer, who's like stereotypical Southern. Yeah. Yep. We learn that Claire's baby is doing okay, and Charlie is like the most subtle. <laughs> oh, where's where's your husband? Uh, was he also on the plane? Uh, but we learn that she's not married. Are you saying that Charlie doesn't have game? He... <laughs> no. I, I'm i gonna go with a hard no on that one. <laughs> it, he just spends these first, like, run of episodes just, like, hitting on everyone <laughs> who will talk to him. First it's Kate, and then he's Claire, and then he moves on to Shannon, and it's like, Charlie, just let go of the chick thing. Like, be <laughs> a person. Choose you, Charlie. Choose Play you. Heart. Do you think that Charlie tells Claire about the transmission? I don't think so. Especially, I'd like to think he does. I. I mean, I could go either way, but he. He has this kind of paternalistic vibe towards Claire, mm-hmm. where it's it's the I need to protect her. Yep. And I, I, it didn't read to me like he was ready to, I don't know if let go of this thing of like, I'm protecting her, like an internal, like, I'm her true ally, or if it's just that he doesn't know how to say it. But I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think he told her. At least not yet. Okay. Yeah, I could get on that boat. Yeah. But also I could see why he would have told her, so I'm not married to that. Yeah. He's like, all three of the girls that I've been hitting on, two of them know, and now I need to tell the yeah. last one. <laughs> For completionist's sake. So I don't have to keep secrets. Collect the set. So after the scene where we talked about Hurley is, like, terrified of Kate, and <laughs> he has to go get the water, and he's like, bye! Then Kate goes in and is, like, over top of the marshal. Then we have a flashback, and then the marshal tries to kill Kate! I screamed rewatching it. I was so scared. <laughs> <laughs> Not cool, Marshall. 
His eyes open and I dropped my phone. Oh my god. I like I forgot that this show has like little jump scares like that. It's happened every single episode. I lo- I love your like pure enjoyment of this because you don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> that's like that sounds sarcastic, but I genuinely love it. Yeah, it's fun. I'm like I don't have that feeling anymore. I know exactly no, what's coming. I know everything. I've seen the whole show through twice, but still can't remember. Like, I can remember the big beats, but little stuff like this, yeah, still will scream like a little girl. A lot yeah. happens on this show, to be fair to your <laughs> to your recall. It's Thank not, you. It's But also, speaking of a lot of things happening, like, I just want to point out that this is different from the way that TV is made these days, just because... It feels like on shows like The 100, shows like Riverdale, shows like Orphan Black, things are happening, like, just happening, 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 and there's never, like, a time to just breathe. Mm -hmm. And this show is, like, filled with time to just breathe, and it's nice. Well, it speaks to audience attention span, right? Like, we -hmm. live in a world, especially sort of, like, after we all got, you know, smartphones and things started becoming really accessible, where we need instant gratification, which means that we don't have the patience as viewers to watch stuff like this anymore. Or, like, that's what people think. The reality is that the audience would like to breathe a little bit. But yeah. it, everyone's committed to breakneck storytelling now at the expense of a lot of actual good character moments. So, like, the nice thing about Lost and the fact that it has a 20-episode season as opposed to a 13-episode season is you don't have to pack everything in. You can have nice little moments like that, which I think we miss now. And ironically, I think Lost might be partially to blame for that model of TV, because Mm, um, when it first came out, the commentary around it was it was so confusing, it was too, you know, they needed to slow down a little, how are they packing all this in? And now look at TV today, and it's like, oh, you sweet summer children, you had no idea what was coming. (laughs) Right, though? Yeah, it's real. I was going to say, Lost really did define TV as we know it now, which is part of the reason I love it so much. I mean, the whole flashback structure, we owe that to Lost. Without Lost, there Mm -hmm. is no widespread acceptance of the flashback. I mean, when I was talking about this with my cousin, like, we talk about this a lot, is I think that Lost was the last great network show. I agree. It was the last big network phenomenon. There hasn't been a big... I think arguably maybe TGIT, like the Shonda Rhimes shows, kind of come close. But Mm. there's no huge phenomenon from a network show like there is that you get on, you know, HBO or anything like that. Yeah, I was going to say. ABC... The the only comparison I can think of is Game of Thrones in terms of hype and it being everywhere. Like... Even if you didn't watch Lost, you knew about stuff. Yeah, it's like Game of Thrones, Westworld, and The Walking Dead. It's. And I yeah. think there's also a point of cultural saturation where if you did not, even if you didn't watch Lost, you you knew things you knew about, about Lost. Lost while it was yeah. airing. Like it was mm-hmm. just it was everywhere. And Game of Thrones has that same. Even if you don't watch, you know who the Starks are. You understand there's a mean yeah. blonde lady who wants to be queen. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the the best explanation of Game of Thrones ever. So, yeah, but it's like some blonde girl has dragons. That's There's what some I dragons. Know. Yeah. 
There's dragons yeah. and um, people are naked and I stopped watching a long time ago. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. But when I was lost, you knew there was a plane crash. So guess who saves Kate? Guess who saves her guess? Who? Who? It's Jack. <laughs> Wait, what are we talking about? I already forgot. <laughs> Kate getting almost killed by the marshal. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's convenient. Okay. So Jack saves her and he's just like, that dude is not long for this world. R.I.P. Goodbye, Marshall. Hey, Robin, does the Marshall have a name? Yes. Would you like to know what it yes, is? Yes, Robin. I'd like to know what it is. His name is Edward Mars. I didn't That's know sweet, that. That's a really good oh, name. yes, it is. Yeah, it is a good name. Lost had great names. Be like, what's your name, True. Edward Mars? I would immediately <laughs> stop and be like, dude, you have an amazing name. <laughs> dude, give me your name. Like, if I kill you, dude. do I get your name? Dude, if I marry you and then kill you, do I get your name? <laughs> I went straight to murder, but I guess marriage would have worked, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think awkward. legally that's how it works, so. Y- yeah. I I really love this scene afterward, after Jack saves her, and, they all, and they're, like, out in the rain and talking about how he'll suffer and that they should put him out of his misery and... Fun fact, that was, like, all ADR. Yeah. Because, yeah, because it's rain. A, a lot of the show is ADR because of the waves. I oh, never sense. thought about that. Yeah. I, the I'm only thing I could think during that scene was that it so obviously wasn't raining that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a little bit of a... Uh, it, it's interesting seeing what I didn't notice the first time around when it comes to their effect department. Jack says he's not a murderer and that he saw her mugshot. And gosh, I have some stuff to say about that in the spoiler segment. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> I was like, you have stuff to say? Go. Go. <laughs> Can't say it right now. Sorry. Okay. Spoiler junction. We learn that Walt has been chilling with Locke a bunch and Michael's being like the most nosy. Okay, if I were Michael, I too would be worried that my son was chilling with a creepy old man. No, it's yeah. true, though, because then he says some of it's secret. It's and like, you're like, uh... Yeah. There's... I don't think I want my kid having a secret old man friend. <laughs> Especially since when your child tell Like, he asked the right question immediately. Did he tell you to keep it a secret? Like, that's... That is the proper question to ask your child mm-hmm. yep. when the weird, bald survivalist guy <laughs> seems yep. to be taking a particular interest in him. Oh, it's so weird. And he he told Locke that a miracle happened to him, which, yes, we know. And <laughs> Michael's like, yeah, a miracle happened to all of us. We survived a plane crash, which, like, good point, I guess. Same. But he's like, I don't want you hanging out with Locke anymore. And Walt's like, well... Okay, but who else is going to be my friend? Because it's not going to be you, and I don't have a dog, so. Help me out find here, Find me bro. my dog. Don't tell me what I can't do. I will find you your dog as soon as it stops raining. And he's like, cool. It stopped raining. And then raining. Mother Nature thought she was funny. <laughs> I still think Walt did it. I think Walt made the rain stop. He controlled that the That is a fantastic point. I literally never thought of that, but that is now canon in my head. Oh. I, I just like I and maybe maybe it's just the show being ironic, but I have always thought that that was a moment that was supposed to indicate that there's something special about Walt very early on. <laughs> Especially the look he gives Michael, like, well, 
it's done. Are you? What going? are you gonna do now? Oh my god! Yes, I love this. I love it. I love it. It's not. I. It's. It's true. In my head. All right. Absolutely. I, I, I believe it too. One of my favorite moments. Michael's walking through and he's like, "I'm walking out here the in the haunted, haunted damn, damn jungle," jungle. because <laughs> I was like. I'll find your dog as soon as it stops raining. Because I'm the smartest dude ever. Yeah. And then, here's a scary noise. Is it a bear? Is it... A dinosaur? A Is it a dinosaur? We don't no, know. It's... And then he sees Sun half naked. The fact that he thinks those noises are Vincent concern me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why I hear a dog. <gasps> At what point did you think any of those noises were a dog, Michael? Exactly, because last episode, it was the giant monster sounds, and Walt was like, Vincent? And I was like, neither of you are making educated guesses. Exactly! (laughs) (laughs) Overall, the two don't have great dog radar. No. Yeah, it it seems like these two have just kind of a shared misunderstanding about what sounds dogs make. (laughs) I'll give you a hint, it's bark, and that's about it. They go woof woof, you guys. (laughs) I have never met a dog who crackled and knocked trees over. No, me neither. My dog's not smart enough to do that. She mostly just sits in one place. My dog died. I don't know. <laughs> God damn! Robin, I'm, I'm like, I have a stupid dog, and Robin's like, I have a dead dog, so. Yeah. That was, so that mine was... doesn't do much either. That mostly just sits on my shelf. like labeled and everything stop it Robbie okay (laughs) I just want to die right now this went to a really interesting place just very quickly (laughs) okay wait let's talk about the fact that Michael sees son half naked so we know that Michael and son were supposed to have this like weird sexual tension and they kind of still have that but I think it was supposed to be more if I'm not what mistaken like yeah they were building a romance between them at first yeah in like scenes and stuff yeah yeah it was supposed to be like a love triangle between son and jen and michael you can still see the the remnants of that in there oh wow not feeling that at all no i have in my notes the michael son of it all no no (laughs) yeah yeah but he's like, I didn't see anything. Honestly, like, it could have been worse. If it had been other people, it could have been worse. Like, yeah, Michael okay. handles, handles it quite well. I like how obviously you're not saying if it had been Sawyer. That's oh what God. I'm saying. He would have been so terrible. Oh, my God. It would have been really bad if it was Sawyer, I guess, is what I'm saying. It would have been really bad if it was someone like Walt also. Yeah. Oh, poor Walt. He would have that would like, not have been good. I, but I, I think Michael handles guys. it really well it that moment too it's it's i i don't i can't quite put my finger on why it bothers me so much but there's just this very if you're intending to build up a romance having you know kind of the the starting pistol be accidentally he stumbles over her naked and her privacy is infringed and she's clearly terribly uncomfortable and embarrassed like yep it's just that tone deaf thing where it's you have to wonder if a single woman was allowed to give people notes that that's that's not a great way to start a romance. I, yep. I've, 
I've never thought to myself, you know, I really want to know more about that guy who saw me naked and embarrassed me. I feel like <laughs> that's, that's where I want to go. We've already right gotten to third life. base, so <laughs> All right. why not start I there? I mean, it's already happened, so we might as well. I think the thing that cracked me up in that scene the most is Michael, instead of, like, turning his back, just kind of freezes, and then he's like, take your bra. And I'm like, Dude, when he hands her her bra, bra? it's so awkward. Like, like, don't there you go. there. Leave. Right? Like, just the extra thing of, like, here, put it on. She'll do it, dude. You don't need to hand it to her. If some guy walked upon me and then handed me my own bra, I'd have strangled him with it. Right? <laughs> just like no get your hands off my just get off yeah don't touch that that's mine that's that's my property just go away i I get on one hand like i should other than the kind of tone deafness i should give credit to the fact that if i accidentally found myself in a situation where not i was embarrassed for embarrassing someone else mm-hmm. i'm not sure what kind of stupid thing would come out of my mouth immediately oh, for i'd sure. like to think i wouldn't hand her her own bra but i'm sure i'd say something very very stupid you know what Absolutely. just occurred to me what is that i'm not sure what jin's up to this episode but like Jin, at least in season one, kind of seems like the type to be like, I will watch over you while this happens so that no one comes close. Yeah, it is weird that he just kind of sends her off into the distance to do her thing. Mm -hmm. I genuinely thought Jin was, like, fishing. For some reason, I thought Jin would, like, come back at the end because, like, they had, like, that, I don't know. I, I just, I thought Jin was off getting food and then Jin didn't show up at all and I was like, what you doing, Jin? What up, Jin? Maybe he was napping. As we've seen on 100, when someone's not in an episode, they're in the next room napping. Napping. Well, that good for Jin. He needed a nap. Maybe. It's been a stressful week. The Marshall's dying, and now we just see, like, a conglomeration of people being like, I disapprove of the groaning man. So, Charlie and Locke, like, Locke's making a whistle, which we know what it is now, and... Charlie goes, I used some tribal flutes once in a recording session. Uh, I'm in a band. <laughs> like, in case anyone forgot this in this episode, I'm in a band. I'm still in a so band. So I'm in a band. Robin, what song do they sing? <laughs> uh, well, their hit single is called You All, Everybody. <laughs> How does it go, Robin? Well, I already sang it last time. It's no fun if I have to sing it by myself. I'll sing it with you. Okay, are we ready? Yeah. Are, are we gonna sing like all the lyrics that we know? Do you I know only them? know you all, everybody. That's the only part I know. <laughs> okay, I I know the the rest of the chorus. All right, and then I'll you'll just have sit here. Do it alone. Okay, here we go. Okay. Ready? You all, everybody. <laughs> you all, everybody. Acting like you stupid people, wearing expensive clothes. <laughs> I don't even know what that It really is bad. I do enjoy how bad it is. No, like, those are the legit lyrics. I think it was, like... I remember that from the commercial. Yeah, it's, like, an, uh... It's an inside joke from the writers or something. But I don't even get it. I read an interview where they said they tried to create the stupidest song. Yeah. Like, that one pop song that everyone knows, and you can't stand it because the lyrics are inane, but you know it. Yeah, yeah. Every song Katy Perry has ever written. (laughs) Wow. Shaved Katy Perry. 
So Shannon wishes that he would just die. <laughs> and Boone's like, cool, you're the best. Real humane, Shan. Real humane, Shan. Shannon's sometimes very much like a, a early 20-somethings. Slash Legitimately. Yeah. I just want to point out that this is almost like scene for scene, shot for mm. shot. This is the Jasper Jasper. <laughs> like. Oh my gosh, yeah. I want it but down it, to. It made more sense when it was Jasper. Yeah. yeah. Down to the commentary it, and people wishing he would just die. Yep. Yeah. But, like, when it was Jasper in the 100, it was teenagers wanting to sleep and not being able to sleep. And I'm like, that is such a teenage thing. But here it's like, yep. all you guys are jerks. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's one of those things of, like, these are the thoughts we keep inside our head. I'm sure everyone on that beach is thinking to themselves, I wish he would be quiet. They don't mean I wish he would die. They mean I would wish he would be quiet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to say that because that's the awful thing to say. Jack says that he's trying to save him and Saeed's like, well, uh, everyone's saying that you probably can't. So that sucks. Kate is like making a fire all by herself. And I'm like, okay, I mean, go ahead. Sawyer has a lighter. Luminous fire. And he says, thank you for taking the gun because if I had it, I'd have... I would have already gone in there. And he mentions that there's only one bullet left, and he said, damn near poetic. Which, I love that line. Yeah. Marshall tells Jack not to trust Kate, and he wants to talk to her, and then... It's like, Jack wants to know what she did, because he asks the Marshall what she did, but he won't ask Kate what she did. Like, he doesn't want to know it from Kate, he wants to know it from someone else, which is, like, what? Why does it, like... If he's trying to trust Kate and build a relationship with Kate, like, of co-leadership or whatever, just ask Kate! Just ask her! Right? And it's it, it's a thing, too, that it's interesting, especially with Jack arguing that, you know, the clean slate is a real thing, when the premise of the show, and I would argue of the episode, is nobody's a clean slate. You can't. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. all bring everything we've ever done. Yeah. We and all have literal baggage that crashed with yeah. us on this island. Yeah, literal baggage. The theme with Jack early on is he doesn't want responsibility. It just seems mm-hmm. to be thrust upon him. Mm-hmm. And asking Kate what she did would be taking an active role in this story. If the marshal tells him, he's still kind of a passive bystander. If he goes That's and he asks point. Kate, yeah. he's an active participant and he has involved himself. I like that That's thought. a really good point. And it's like, to give Jack credit, like, the reason that a lot of people follow him is because he's so good in a crisis. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, the guy who saved everybody's life is a really big symbol. Like, Yeah. I mean, everybody, but. So, I get it. And it's like, I, I yeah, when you explain it that way, it does make more sense that he wouldn't just go to Kate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, pretty much the marshal wants to know what the favor was going to be that she was going to ask him. And then there's, like, a little flashback onto the plane that we don't really need to talk about because we, ta- we already saw that. And what she wanted was to make sure that Ray Mullen got his reward. That's so sweet. Which is nice. I love And Kate. also kind of heartbreaking. I have way more to say about that in the flashback section, but God, I love okay. Kate. Okay, sounds good, yeah. yeah. And he says, if you hadn't saved him, you would have gotten away. And she said, well, uh, I kind of did. <laughs> and it's like this, there's this moment where he asks if he's going to die, and she says yes, and he says, are you going to do it? That's such a good moment. 
and it's like, I don't think, I just don't know how to feel about it because it's like, do you think he wants her to do it? Or do you think he thinks that she really wants to do it? Or like, I'm not sure where the, like, I love this scene and I love this moment, but it's like, where, like, who's feeling what? I don't know. I'm trying to figure I, it out. The way I read it is it's, it's not so much a, a, is it A or B, but it's kind of both. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, what we see of him is he's obsessed with Kate. Like, I think yeah. we can just say he's 100% obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't understand how the things she's telling him, the, and they're all true, this is who Kate is, can line up with the woman he decided she was because right. of yeah. what she did. So I think for him, it's both not only ask, like, I think he does want to die at that point, but it's, it's that one, it's another inroad to being like, I don't understand how my understanding of who you should be does not match up with who you prove to be. Are you going to do it? Are you a murderer or are you not? And I think there's kind of a double, it, it, both are at play there where he is asking her genuinely and also he's still trying to figure out how who she is and how he was wrong about her. See, and I read it as like he knows that his death is a foregone conclusion and he'd rather have it be someone that he actually knows. Ooh, yeah. I didn't even think of it that way. That's great. She, because like he spent so long hunting her and you know finding this preconceived idea of her that even though he doesn't really know her, he thinks he knows her. So, in his mind, he'd rather have it be her than die at a stranger's hand, I guess. Oh, no, I, t- I agree. I think that's a really good insight. I love I that. What do you think, Robin? Yeah. Well, yeah, because I think that's great. And I think that, yeah, he's like, from everything that I know about you, you're a murderer. You killed a dude. You've killed multiple dudes. <laughs> You're All constantly the on the run. You yeah, can you kill people. this dude real quick? But also, like, everything that I know about you should point to the fact that you want to do this. That this is something that yeah. you would like to do, and you don't seem to want to do it. And even though last episode I realized that he was wearing a wedding ring, I feel like in a different universe I could ship it. <laughs> no, I totally could too. I, yeah. I, I think he's half in love with Kate. I, oh I my god! His, no, his obsession absolutely points to that. It, it does. I think there's a level to his obsession that reads as deeply personal, whether it's love, fascination, lust, mm-hmm. whatever you... I mean, I think that you would have to ask the actor what, how he mm-hmm. played it. Right. But I think there's definitely a personal component to his obsession with her. And, like, yes. to be clear, it's not something that is romantic, but it's yeah. something, like... Like, romantic in terms of, like, you look at it and you go, oh, that's that's a cute relationship. Or, like, that's interesting romantically. It's that he had an obsession with her that was so unhealthy that he, like, was in love with who she was. Yeah, yeah. Or he, who he thought she was. I mean, he... And if you think about it, he... We find that, he, you know, he's been following her for so long. And just in terms of, you know... I'm not an expert in police work, but to do that job, you have to know everything you can about your target. Yep. Yeah. So he's essentially turned himself into a Kate Austin expert as well as he can. And he's followed her and he's tried to put himself in her shoes and he's... 
so much of his life is tied up in her at this point. Yeah, yeah and I want to exactly. keep talking about this, but let's talk about this more in the spoiler section. Yes. Gotcha. Sorry. Yes. Sounds good. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. Okay, so Hurley and Jack start having a conversation, and Hurley's like, you're letting her in there by herself? She has that gun. And Jack's like, oh, she has what now? Whoops. <laughs> I didn't know that. So Sawyer ends up shooting him and misses. But, yeah. like, this is, I think this is, like, really the first time where we see this is the Sawyer that we should know because yeah. he was trying to help and he feels so bad. Yeah. He feels awful. It's interesting because when we were watching, uh, my cousin pointed out Sawyer didn't go for the headshot. No. Like he didn't do the logical thing because she's like, I don't think Sawyer has the capacity to shoot someone in the head. I don't think so either. No, I agree. Like, I don't think that visual was something Sawyer could have, like, sat with as a person, but in the chest felt less personal. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think it's telling that he also, that he specifically mentions, I tried to aim for the heart. Yes. He tried so hard. Shout out to Josh, because you can see that in his face, that he's just, like, the most regret, like, full of regret for that. He does some beautiful, subtle work there. Yeah. And then Jack ends up having to do it, and Jack's like, I never wanted to do this. This is, like, specifically what I didn't want to do, but, you know, Sawyer's super upset about it because he, then he, like, can't light a cigarette, and he's just like, what else can go wrong today? <laughs> Everything is awful. He's like, I tried to be a good person just the once, and I guess murder isn't where, how you do it. <laughs> Alas. Apparently not. Who could have thunk? Locke finds Vincent with his dog whistle that he made and, like, the most talented for, like, whittling a dog whistle and tells Michael, and it's, like, such a nice moment because it's like, Michael, look, Locke is a nice dude and is trying to help you out. And, like, Michael still (laughs) isn't, like, the most big fan of Locke. Which... You know, looking back, when I first watched the show, I was like, God, Michael sucks. But now, maybe because I'm older or something, I look back and I'm like, if I were Michael, I would be as suspicious of Locke as he is. Like, mm-hmm. I understand Michael now. Yeah. No, it. I think it. there definitely is a component of uh, adulthood changes how you look at parent-child stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I definitely, I mean... I will definitely make fun of the Walt scream whenever I can. (laughs) Michael, I would say, is one of the characters who his storyline is not particularly coherent in places. Mm -hmm. But early on, like, nah, nah, he's right. Like, I'd I'd be pretty suspicious of Locke, too, if my child was hanging out with him. And there's there's an element of jealousy there, too. I think it's very clear that Michael doesn't feel secure as Walt's father and is very uncomfortable when other men approach Walt. Because he's fine Absolutely. with women. He's fine leaving Walt with women. Right. But it's when other men who might challenge his paternal standing come in that he gets very edgy. And, like, we also have to remember that we see the side of Walt hanging out with Locke. And we see that Locke's an okay guy. Yeah. But Michael doesn't. Michael has no clue. And, and Locke comes off pretty creepy. I mean, this is scooting forward just a little bit, but at the end of the episode, everyone else has a personal connection moment. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. if they're not hanging out with someone else, uh, Saeed passes by Sawyer and tosses him the, it looks like a pomegranate, but I can't tell what it is. 
I thought it was an <laughs> apple. I, I couldn't tell. I thought it was an apple at first, and then I was like, but why would there be an apple there? I guess maybe they got yeah, it off the plane. I don't know. A fruit. But yeah, so everyone has these moments of connection. Everyone at least has a human moment shared between two people. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Locke, yeah. who is sitting, you know, 20 feet away, just watching. Just and he's got this, like, in. sinister music going over top. Yeah. And, it's and, like, that, and that scar. Yeah. And it's just another question that I wonder, like, we know that Locke isn't a villain, but they're trying to make him out to look like one. I, my thought on that is, especially early on, there seems to be, and this is tying back a little bit to the Marshall and Kate, but a lot of what Locke seems to be trying to do in these early episodes is make the point that what you see of a person what you observe is not necessarily who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, and, it, and also just the fact that, again, coming back to the blank slate, we bring our own preconceived notions. So looking at Locke, you might see somebody creepy, you might see someone, you know, solitary, someone, and that marks him out as, as somehow suspicious. Mm-hmm. But once you understand who he is and why he is that guy, and of course he would be a solitary person. He feels separate and apart. So it's it's definitely, yeah. I think, purposefully trying to set up is Locke what's going on with this guy, only to undercut it later in a good way, not undercut it badly, but to say, no, 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 no. you didn't know his story, and that's why you judged him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think yes. that's okay. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good way to handle it, especially for a show that's. I, I think they they try to do this with uh, Sun and Jin. I think they're the other yeah. really obvious example, and it's not yeah. great with Sun and Jin. But I think yeah. it works really well with Locke in part because they don't rely on racial stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it, they're like character red herrings. So going going back, uh, Jack is sitting on the beach. By himself, and I'm not gonna lie, that was my phone background for a while. <laughs> Aww. That's an iconic shot, though. No, it is, and then, like, the person who had edited it, like, made the sky go up farther, so that it, like, yeah, it was really nice phone background. Yeah. Anyway, cool. uh, he pretty much says, doesn't matter who we were, we all died a couple days ago. Which, like, also is not saying that they all actually died. Spoiler section. Thank you. They didn't die, okay? For Like, well, I don't care if that's a spoiler. Everyone needs to know before they even get to the end, they did not die. Whatever yeah. happened, happened. Yes. It was, and now, now they're allowed to start over. It's a metaphorical death. It's a metaphor. Exactly. Exactly. So this song begins to play. It's called Wash Away. It's by Joe Purdy, and it's, like, just a lovely song. And a thing that I really like about Lost, like, I love... I love when did songs... anyone hear Robin go a boat? <laughs> I'm so I did, sorry. Yes. I'm so happy. <laughs> sorry, Robin. I didn't Robin. notice. Okay, oh. I just talk. But what was I saying? Oh, I like shows nowadays who will play songs just like whenever. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But like this, on Lost at least, when they play songs with lyrics, it's because those songs are actually playing. Like to the characters, I was I was gonna say "Wash Away" is actually thematically perfect for the episode because yes. if you listen to the lyrics, mm-hmm. it's about 
I have sins. I have troubles. Yep. But just not today. So if the theme of the episode and and kind of Jack's point when he talks to Kate is, no, 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 we're all new people now. But the show's point is, we're not. We're the same people we were. We're just a new version because we have this new layer of what we've experienced. Mm -hmm. The song itself says that. I have sins. I have troubles. But just not right now. But they're still there. I actually wonder if maybe... I really enjoy that. Like, I mean, obviously a lot of shows do this, but very few shows do it well. And I think perhaps it's sort of the J.J. Abrams bad robot brand because Person of Interest also does that very, very well. Mm. Like, the whoever the music supervisor is, like, maybe they shared a music supervisor, but in, in the J.J. Abrams brand, the music on Person of Interest does this exact same thing. Mm. It tells the story thematically each episode of like, you know, we're not just having a montage of music for its sake. The song has to tell the story too. Yeah. And it's not too on the nose either. Exactly. I was very into Sons of Anarchy for a while and they had a problem with a music montage where in an episode where you're supposed to be thinking about how all these criminal bikers are just, you know, normal people like you and me, everyday people is the montage song. So... (laughs) It it got a little on the nose sometimes. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, Kurt Sutter and his montages. So Hurley's listening to the song over his Walkman because Mm -hmm. it's 2004. That's my favorite device. I love that device. That's the smartest device to have. The things that we have is Sun and Jin, and they have a nice moment. Shannon and Boone, who have a nice moment. And then we have the Saeed and Sawyer moment. Literally all I can think every time that I see it these days is just like, forgiveness (laughs) yeah can you imagine stop it oh my god the hamiltons move uptown man no i was gonna say it's interesting too uh the forgiveness really is the theme you see i like that the little moment between boone and shannon is boone having repaired something of hers that was broken Mm mm-hmm yeah and and thematically that's what you get with Sun and Jin with Saeed and Sawyer, particularly since the episode starts with, you know, Sawyer being a racist jerk to Saeed, and Saeed is the one to offer him comfort. And then it's like the sad part of the song where they're showing Sawyer in his letter, and I'm just like, guess I'll just die. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell who your favorite is. I really can't tell. No, yeah, it's really hard to guess. So, anyway, I'm going to move on from that because everyone knows the answer. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Charlie, and then we have a nice moment with Charlie and Claire. But it's interesting because the other ones have been people who have been together and coming together. And this is mm-hmm. like S- Claire and Charlie are having their moments, but separately. Like adjacent, but separately. Yeah. yeah. So Claire's chilling with her baby. Charlie's changing the words on his fingers from fate to late. Thoughts. Rescue's late? It's that, and also it's, I I don't quite know how to articulate this, but especially since we see that Charlie next episode is unable to go without his drug of choice. Yeah. I think there's also a certain amount of, it's too late. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can just see a that. counterpoint. Because it's to never it. been like super clear. 
Yeah, I, and no. I think it's it's definitely up for grabs. I think it's it's on this one. It's what you see is is probably le- as just as legit as what anyone else sees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We already talked about Locke. So the last thing that we see is Walt getting Vincent back, and it's just like the best thing ever because everyone loves puppos, you know. Yes, I love yeah. Vincent. Maybe Vincent is actually my favorite. It's like you know what any TV show needs a dog. <laughs> Exactly. Adorable dog. Moving on to our flashbacks now. Pretty much, this is the first time we hear, like, the real whoosh. Like, the whoosh comes in when the flashback happens. The whoosh. The The whoosh whoosh. every time. It's the whoosh. They're, They're settling into their conventions now. Kate's sleeping in the sheep pen. She says she walks 15, she walked 15 kilometers. She goes by the name of Annie. And Kate's middle name is Anne. So that's a fun fact. Oh, okay. This is where I was, I mentioned that I found my foreshadowing Jesus moment. And this is it. Okay. And I think it's hilarious because Kate wakes up in the manger (laughs) with the sheep. Yep. Jesus, lamb of, like the fact that he mentions the sheep, Jesus being the lamb of God and the fact that he will betray her at the end of the episode. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh my god. I was like, that's a nice little moment. That's a good Easter egg. I love that, wow. Wow, I like walked right by that one. I've never, I've literally never noticed it. <laughs> I've seen this show a million times, and this is the very first time I thought of that, so. Each day I learn some more, Kai. <laughs> Please ignore Brittany. All right, moving on. <laughs> No Caillou. No Caillou. Fine. I have a question for both of you. Yes. I have no answers for you. We know that Kate is her real name. Like, it's Catherine, but we know that Kate is her real name. In many of Kate's flashbacks, we see her give different names that are not her name. What do you think it means that in the first episode, Jack says, what's your name? And she just gives it to him, her real name. She can be Kate again on the island. Yeah, no one knows who she is. Clean slate. I love it. Anyway, that's a point I wanted to make, and I like it. I love that. I get they keep coming back to the whole. It's interesting that we end up seeing the interplay of how this is simultaneously a new beginning and not at all a new beginning. Yeah, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. they're all the same people they were when they boarded that plane. Just you know, on an island now. Mm-hmm. As Annie, Kate says that she's Canadian, and that's an Easter egg because Evie's Canadian, and Kate's actually from Iowa. Also, they tell us Americans to lie and say we're Canadian when we're traveling because yep. everyone hates us. And yeah, they like I hate you guys when more. y'all do that. Do you know how annoying it is that you guys do that? <laughs> I've never Canadians- done it. I've never oh. done it. <laughs> I've been told to do it, but I've never done it. I've watched an American do it, and I wanted to just, like, die. I was like, you guys are making Canadians look bad. See, and I'm like, I can't... If someone asked me a question, like, about where I was from in Canada, my lie would fall apart immediately if I attempted to do this. And I'm from California, which is, like, Uh. America's Canada. So I, I get to be like, oh, no, 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 I'm from California, we're, we're different. We right. have hippies. We have hippies. <laughs> we learned that Ray Mellon's wife died and that he needs help on his farm. 
and she passed away eight months ago. That's and that's he has a fake form. arm. That form of cute. cute. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> the next time we see the flashback is when Kate is planning on leaving his house at night. And she's been hiding her wages because she has trust issues. Surprise! Never would have guessed that about her. She seems so stable. Yeah, she's really not a wanderer at all. Nope. No. I like that she's hiding it in with all his preserved food. Yeah. <laughs> like, that. that's just... I, I, there's no real thematic jump to go on there about how Kate is like a can of peaches. But I just enjoy <laughs> that she's hiding her money in the preserved food, in the stuff that's been stuck in stasis. Especially since so much of Kate's life is basically being a human can of peaches. Remember she's when Dad was like, there's no thematic thing to be found, and then she found and one. And then I found it. Yeah. I found it. She's a can of peaches, you guys. I solved it all. Someone get Damon on the line. I gotta talk to him about the peaches. She's been there for three months, and he wants her to stay for one more night. Like, we know what his ulterior motive is, but at the time, we just think, oh, that's nice. He's gonna drive her to the oh, thing, so and sad. he says everyone deserves a fresh start. And you're like, oh, the theme of the of the episode? Got it. He got but also, do you really title. believe this, Ray? Do you? Yeah, do you, though? Or are you just talking about your own fresh start? I think he means it. I think so, too. I think that, and I love the way the actor plays it. It's this He's very, good, yeah. he likes Kate. He doesn't want to do this to her. Yeah. But he has a horrible mortgage. Yeah. yeah. The next time we see them, he's driving her. And who wants to hear a fun fact? I, I do. do. It's about Patsy Cline. Do it. I want to hear it. Most of the time when Kate is around and listening to music, it's Patsy Cline. Like, Kate loves Patsy Cline. I love Patsy. And Patsy Cline is used because she passed away in a plane crash. It's oh. also, like, just speaking as someone who's into American country, mm -hmm. being into Patsy signifies things about, about what you like and who you are. And I, I say this as someone who's a big Patsy Cline fan, so now it sounds like I'm just kind of, like, patting myself on the back. <laughs> but there is definitely, there's kind of a mournfulness to everything Kate, or everything Patsy Cline sings about. Even her, her happy songs mm -hmm. okay. feel kind of sad. So there's definitely, I like the, the way that they've decided Patsy Cline is the score to Kate's life. Because it really is. Like, Patsy Cline is perfect Kate music. I love that. I also like that he he scored his own betrayal because oh my god I don't know if you guys know the song but that's leaving on your mind mm -hmm. and it's literally a song if you've got leaving if you've got cheating on your mind so this is a dude who is taking her to her betrayal breakfast oh my god and he chose a song that's about wow. cheating and leaving and betrayal. I'm like, oh my god! You're either my he chose it or like it just came on the radio and he was like, oh. I like to think that he picked out his pat his favorite Patsy Cline tape and he was like, I need to set the scene. Even <laughs> on your mind. Another fun fact is that I've been on the road that they're driving on when we went on the Lost tour in Oahu or on Oahu. Ooh. We drove That's down girl. this road. And we were on our way to go and see, um, I, that's, never mind, that's spoilers. But <laughs> <laughs> we were on the road and the dude, like the tour guide turns to me and goes, do you recognize this road? And I look back 
And I look back at him and I go, Tabula Rasa. <laughs> oh my god. And he goes, okay, you win. <laughs> I love that that's your brand. They're trying to fool you and you're just like, oh no. Oh Literally, no. at one point we went to this waterfall... It's just a waterfall, that's all. Yeah. And he went, there are three characters, or, like, there are three times that we see this waterfall. Name them. And I got it. (laughs) You have to be, like, one of the biggest fans that's ever gone on that tour, right? Oh, yeah. I couldn't tell if he, like, enjoyed chilling with me or if he just, like, hated me a lot. (laughs) My life goal is to now somehow get you and Joe to go on this tour with me. Oh my god, oh I my god, that. that'd be so fun. Well, that are they would doing be like a lost convention? And I could just sit back and listen to the two of you. But aren't they doing like a lost convention then? A lost convention, yeah, it's happening this October in- on Oahu. Of course Brittany that knows seems... there's a lost or Robin knows there's a lost convention. Oh god. Hey, I can't go, First but of it's all, happening. Brittany brought it up. Fair. <laughs> but also, if anything's happening in Hawaii, chances are I want to know about it. Yeah. So pretty much what's happening is Ray said that he saw her picture in the post office. The reward was $23,000. And then the uh, the marshal comes up and does the thing where he, like, does the gun hand and, like, look. And I'm like, this is a cool moment. But also, I made a Monopoly board called Lostopoly, which I think we discussed last time. And the go to jail corner is that. <laughs> Oh my god. That's awesome. <laughs> so also, what what a douche. I'm sorry. Do you think he, <laughs> yeah. do you think that he is... planned that out? Like I he was like, like, okay, yes. so when I catch up to her, I'm gonna make that Yes. <laughs> I I one hundred percent think he practiced it in the mirror before he left that morning. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is the <laughs> face I'm gonna make at her. This goes so well with your headcanon that he like obsessed with her. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna see Kate again. What should I do to look cool? <laughs> that's basically <laughs> it. Like, that's so unprofessional. <laughs> yeah. He's like the worst, like, bounty hunter ever. He really is. Because it's like, he's like, I'm, I want to look cool and intimidating, but also, it's Kate. <laughs> Next time I see them, she, like, grabs the wheel and, like, flips the truck. Oh, and there's a giant fire, and she chooses to save Ray when she could have gotten away. Good girl, Kate. Whenever Kate makes a decision, she she follows through on like what happens. Mm-hmm. Like if she if she messes up, she owns it. Yeah. I have a fun fact that I read on Lostpedia pretty recently that I didn't know mm-hmm. before. Ooh. Fun fact. I have to say fun fact before I say it, I guess, every time. Yeah. Originally, this was going to be the very first flashback in the episode. Oh. And so you were supposed to think that's what she did. She killed Ray Mullen and and ripped off his arm. <laughs> you know what? That would have been genius. It would have been real interesting, hey? I can't decide which one I like. I like what we got, but that would have been really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that would have built some even more of the Kate is a bad person tension and then relieved it afterward. Honestly, thematically, that might have worked better. Yeah. I, yeah, I think... It, it maybe they decided that that was a bridge too far. Like somehow mm. the audience wouldn't be able to get back on board once mm. they saw that. Which I think there might actually be a slight merit to that argument, depending on what kind mm. of viewership we're talking about. Considering as a Kate fan, 
I am well aware that this fandom mm-hmm. has, has some certain misogyny issues aimed mm-hmm. directly at Kate Austin's head. Mm-hmm. The last thing that I wanted to mention was that he says, once he has, like, the gun to her head, he says, Hey, Kate. Because they're just bros. Sup, <laughs> Kate? I kind of, like, I... love their cat and mouse relationship. Oh, I do, too. Me, too. Yeah. My only other note was that I wrote a note exactly at 8.15, and I thought Robin would like that. <laughs> yeah, I did like it, yeah. That's, I like <laughs> just that. that. All right, so those are all our thoughts on Tabula Rasa, and before we move on to Walkabout, we're going to do our favorite line awards right now. Yay! So my favorite line this episode goes to Hurley for... It looks kind of... dying. <laughs> and my favorite line also goes to Hurley, but also includes Jack, which is... So how do you know it wasn't a dinosaur? Because dinosaurs are extinct. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Brittany uh, likes the dinosaur line. I, I am the lonely only person out here who didn't pick a Hurley line. I went with... If only we were all wearing license plates. It's from Saeed. Yay! We're going to start talking about Walkabout now. Uh, we would usually talk about the title, but the title is kind of obvious in this one. <laughs> it's not really anything super metaphorical or anything in this one. The broadcast date was October 13th, 2004. It was written by David Fury, and it was directed by Jack Bender again. And now it's time for my recap. I wrote this like two days ago, so I don't even remember what I wrote. Let's find out. This will be good. It's like 1 a.m. Guess what we're starting with? It's an eye. I told you to remember. This time, it's the eye of John Locke. We're out here getting woken up by boar in the fuselage. That's not cute. Jack decides that they need to burn it for multiple reasons. Hurley and Sawyer fight over some peanuts because they're out of food, so Locke reveals that he has a whole case of knives and they should hunt boar because he's a giant cache of boar facts. Kate and Michael go with Locke to get food, but a boar attacks Michael, and they split up. Kate tries to make Saeed's triangulation thing work, but she breaks it, and Locke sees the monster and lies about it later, after bringing back what everyone wanted. Meanwhile, Jack talks to Rose about her husband, Shannon makes Charlie catch her a fish to prove a point to Boone, and Claire collects belongings so that she can perform a sort of funeral. In the flashbacks, we see that Locke worked behind a desk before this and wanted to go on an Australian walkabout, but his boss is a jerk and his phone friend won't go with him. To top it off, they won't let him go because, plot twist, he's in a wheelchair. But on the island, he's healed. What an interesting development. I wonder if this will come back later. (laughs) At the end of the episode, Jack sees a mysterious vision of a dude in a suit. Hmm, probably a next episode thing. The end. That was really good. Brilliant. Thank you. Take a bow. I'm doing it. You can't see it, but I'm doing it. (laughs) All right. For the island part of this episode, we're going to be splitting it up into different sections instead of just going all the island stuff. So we're going to start with all the things that happen regarding the boar and Locke and such. Ah, the boar. We start with Locke's eye, and we've got, like, the foot, the foot shot. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's really effective when they use the foot shot and then they use it again later. And then they show it literally exactly the same at the end because every single time it has a different meaning. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I love this show. <laughs> I think it's one of the most iconic shots mm-hmm. is the foot shot. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, Jack's eye is a close second for me, but I think yeah. Locke's, Locke's feet have to take the cake in terms of like the the enduring recurring shot yeah Brittany, what's your favorite cast body part <laughs> i don't have a safe for work answer for that well one. i mean if we're picking cast body parts that's something entirely different uh, that, <laughs> why did you ask me such 
a leading question. Robin keeps taking us down these like cul-de-sacs Listen, of just Desmond's dirtiness. Not I can't answer that. And then me. realizing she's done it and jerking the wheel. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god, that's no! No! So Vincent. That's a legitimate phrase. <laughs> Vincent is barking. Because scary things are happening. Robin wants to talk about a dog and we're not done processing this yet. Let me know when you're done, okay? I'll sit here. I'm sorry. Jerking the wheel is, it's a phrase. A lot of people use it. It has nothing to do with masturbation. It's fine. It's fine. We're fine. Robin's like, I'm going to die. Let's talk about a dog. I'm okay. Let's talk, Let's about, talk dog. about dogs. Yeah. They're good dogs, Bricks. They're good dogs. That's what dogs do. You should... Always listen when a dog is distressed. Agree. That like the best alarm in the entire world is a distressed dog. I kept thinking yes, that. I was yes. like, you don't even need to see a horror movie to know this. If your dog yeah. starts yeah. barking uncontrollably out of nowhere and does not have a barking problem, you should probably Bounce. be suspicious. I wanted to point out who was sleeping by who. So yeah, okay. Boone and Shannon are sleeping t- sleeping close to each other. Jin and Son, of course. Mike and Walt, of course. But what's interesting is that Claire is sleeping right by Hurley. So, like, that's kind of sweet because they they kind of had this connection from the first episode. Yeah. And now they're just, like, taking care of each other, you know? I like Hurley. Oh, I didn't notice that, but I like their friendship. I do, too. It's really sweet. They mention that everyone in there is dead, so what's this weird sound? And Jack's like, oh, it's frickin' Sawyer. (laughs) And Sawyer's like, right behind you, jackass. Excuse you very much, sir. I'm right here. I was less of a jerk last episode than you thought. Give me some credit. (laughs) I do nice things sometimes. I shot a man. The fun fact that I have from the commentary for this time Mm -hmm. is notice the the flashlights. Yeah, I was actually thinking about the flashlights. So Jack has this really, really tiny flashlight and Sawyer has this massive flashlight if you mm-hmm. listen to the commentary on this episode, I think it's Damon who's just like, yeah, yeah, we did that on purpose. <laughs> He's like, do you get it? I legitimately was watching and I I wrote down in my notes, I was like, wow, I bet Sawyer finds a lot of symbolism in the fact that his flashlight is bigger than Jack's. <laughs> Full on did that on purpose, yeah. they did. All right. So there's a boar and I, I literally wrote down a note that just says, Hurley says crud. <laughs> I think crud is a funny word. That's a very Robin word. And then it switches to the, there are new partnerships with people who are like protecting each other from the boar. So we've got Boone and Shannon and Jin and Son, of course. And then Sawyer protects Kate and the skate shipper in me sings. And then Saeed is the one who's protecting Claire. So that's interesting. Then Charlie falls and is saved by Jack literally again. This is a parallel to the first episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but Locke is, like, the most excited <laughs> about the fact that there are boars. Food. He's like, I can finally prove myself. Yeah. And then later, after they're all gone, Jack is, like, fixing up Charlie and decides that he wants to... That he, he thinks we, they should all burn the bodies and burn the fuselage. But Saeed has an issue with this because he thinks that they all deserve better and they need to think about their religions and how they would like to be laid to rest. I really agree with Saeed on that one. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I like that he brought up the religion. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that at any point in the scene, someone had just said cremation. 
Because it seemed like yeah. they forgot that cremation is actually a thing that many people mm-hmm. are, certain religions uh, disagree with it. Like, they're like, we're gonna burn the bodies. And I'm like, that's called cremation, you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a normal thing a lot of people do. Like, Viking funeral, you know. Right? They're all yeah. related. But uh, I liked that Saeed brought up the religion part, especially because, speaking as a, uh, a Catholic... There are, I'm not this Catholic, but I have relatives who, you can't be cremated. There Mm -hmm. are certain precepts, like you have to be buried. So the church, the church mandates stuff like that. I don't know if there's a mandate on full, against full cremation, but I know that my great grandfather, there was a big family to do because he wanted to be cremated and everyone else wanted to bury him. Hmm. And the the religious part of it got very complicated. Wow. I had no idea that you couldn't cremate people under some religions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. some religions think you cannot burn the body. And if I recall correctly, in some religions, you have to burn the body. Wow. Huh. And I, um, just going back to Saeed, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this makes Saeed more likable like everyone likes Saeed already but it makes him even more likable Agreed. but you can also see Jack's side on this because people don't want to get eaten by boars that's like the yeah. least the least the last thing I would like to happen to me yeah it's extremely relatable to not want to get eaten he's like we don't have time to figure out who wants to ha- have what happen to them also just on the practicals like just speaking personally, if we were all in a plane crash and you guys went through my luggage after I died, you would find absolutely no indication of my religious preferences in there. So there might, yeah, like, a good for a lot of these people, you probably just couldn't find out. Like, there would be no mm, way yeah. to know. Yeah. I mean, w- when they read the thing later, what do they, they end up just reading off her driver's license, so. Yeah. And Kate mentions that the reason why Jack wants to do it at night is because he's hoping the fire will be seen and someone will show up. Which I have logistical question, though. Okay. If you burn something during the day, something, they'd also see smoke. I am not a fire expert. I have no opinion. (laughs) I, I think it would depend upon how high you burn the fire, how close anyone nearby was looking, Because, of course, people are looking. Right? Like, this is the other thing, too, is, like, Jack's whole plan here hinges on the fact that someone will be looking at them at this exact moment. (laughs) So it's all really a crapshoot anyway. Yeah. Saeed's making this thing so that he can triangulate where the radio tower or whatever is. Bless Saeed. That's, like, I know nothing about this, like, weird science that he's talking about, so that's, like, my only point about that. I just Okay, but notice in this scene that Kate comes up and says, hey, what you doing? And Saeed's like, it's a secret. And Kate's like, okay, but if I guess it, will you tell me? And she guesses it, and Saeed's like, actually, yeah, here's all the information that I have and everything, and, like, look at what I'm doing. Well, that's the thing, is, like, near the end of the episode, when she brings it back to him and she's broken it, he's just like, well... I just have to keep telling, like, lying to people and t- not tell them what I'm doing. So, like, it kind of makes sense because now, yeah. now he has someone to talk to yeah. and so he's going to be like, okay, well, here's all the things that I've been thinking about it and I just don't know what to do. It just cracked me up because clearly Saeed actually did want to talk about what mm-hmm, he was doing. Mm-hmm. He just needed, someone needed to ask him that he wanted to talk to. Yeah. Walt 
says that he wants to go talk to Mr. Locke. And Michael's like, well, why don't you hang out with me? Like, stop hanging out with Mr. Locke. And Walt's like, well, Locke's my bro, and he talks to me at least, so we're not friends. It's just weird. It's weird. It's not weird, but it's weird. Then Hurley and Sawyer are fighting because Sawyer's bad at sharing. Which He's real bad. (laughs) He's real bad at sharing. And now they're out of food. But they can find food. And then it's like this great moment where Locke throws a knife and you're like- Who enters a scene like that? The most cool. Like, it's like you find a knife and you're like, oh man, I know exactly how I'm going to make this entrance. And I also love the moment afterward when Jack hands it back to him and says, You either have very good aim or very bad aim. (laughs) That's such a roast of sword. I think that depends on how much someone likes you, Jack. (laughs) <laughs> How much someone likes Sawyer. That too. Locke just shows up with like a bajillion boar facts. <laughs> he knows things, okay? All Stuff. the things. I also think it's funny that Locke's like, here are all my boar facts. They're a little bit scary. <laughs> and then Michael's like, appalled. <laughs> I like how gleefully he's like, and then I'll slit its throat. And they're like, okay. Okay, creepy. He's like that emo kid at school who has, like, a fascination with death. And oh, my God. Like, dokie. Yeah. Alrighty, nice talking to you. Locke wants to show you his journal where he wrote poetries about, about things dying. That's kind of sounds like him, to be honest. I feel like Locke definitely had, like, a butterfly collection of, like, you know, like, those dead preserved butterflies? Yes. That do? Mm-hmm. Oh, he geez. 100% had one of those hanging in his house. He was so that guy. Yeah. The people who say that they'll go with Locke on his trek... Michael, Mm -hmm. who's trying to feel him out to see if he's okay with hanging out with his son, and Mm -hmm. Kate, who likes going on treks. Because last episode, she said, I like walking. Always up for an adventure. And Jack's, like, not so sure about Locke, and he's, like, a little bit worried about her because Jate is a thing. And Jack mentions that she seems to have a hard time staying in one place. And it's like, you got it, you win. It's like, good job, guys. You found the relatable thing about her. Figured it out. And then, so, like, Syed's trying to keep this triangulation thing a secret. And then she just goes and tells Jack. (laughs) I feel like when you tell Kate something, there's an understanding that Jack will find out within five minutes. Agreed. That's true, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay, here's something interesting. Kate says that she's a vegetarian. Like, is she lying for fun, or is she lying for the sake of lying? Or, like, why is she lying? Because we know that she's not a vegetarian. I think it's just supposed to be, like, sarcasm. Yeah. Like, she does it to entertain herself. I think so, too, because we saw her last episode eating bacon. And that was, like, right before the the plane ride, so. I think it's supposed to be a moment of, like, flirty banter that comes off just a little weird. It doesn't quite land right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it reminds me of, like, the knitting a sweater type answer when someone asks you what you're doing. Mm. Michael gets Sun to watch Walt. Why did he pick Sun? This seems like a poor choice, by the way. Like, yeah. Yeah. What, can, even if what? you have dude issues, and, like, I think part of the reason he wants to go with Locke is Michael has some weird masculinity paternity issues, and if Locke's gonna go off and be a badass and hunt pigs, he has to as well. So it's like, Mm -hmm, even if you don't want, it's that you don't want to ask another guy, there are a lot of women on the island. 
right now. Who speak yeah. English. And, yeah, and it's like, it's not even that Sun w- is a bad choice. Empirically, we know that she's a great choice to watch Walt. Mm-hmm. But if I'm thinking to myself, who do I leave my child with? It's not the woman I don't think can understand me. Like, what if she didn't even get that Walt was supposed to stay with her? What if you thought she thought that you were just randomly introducing your son? Like, you don't know what's going to happen when you leave. Another thing that bothers me a little bit is that, like, literally right earlier in the episode, Walt says, at least Locke talks to me. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, here, hang out with the lady who you can't talk to. Right? Like, ask Hurley. Yeah. Ask Claire. Send him over with Shannon. Claire would for be the great. God. He and Claire could sit and talk about loads of stuff. Ask Charlie. Charlie and Walt? That would be a hilarious combination. You wouldn't know that's who true. was babysitting who. <laughs> yeah, that's real. This is very true. Can you imagine Michael just, like, going up to Hurley and Charlie and being like, hey, can you watch my son? And they'll be like, uh, okay. Dude, we might not be good at that. And they just, like, walk away from him. They're yeah. like, you're good. Those would be amazing babysitters. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's One of the things that Sun says in Korean, she says something like, don't worry, your father will be fine. And then, like, I checked Lostpedia and Google Translate. And then, um, well, it's like, yeah, whatever, bye. The next time that we talk about boar is, like, pretty much just Walt giving us more boar facts. And we learn that boars dig and leave things on the trees and just a bunch of boar facts. Wait, Walt gives us boar facts? Did I say Walt? I meant Locke. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait. I, I was just like, did I not remember that part of the episode very well. <laughs> it was really confusing. I mean, bad, Robin knows minutia, so maybe Robin's right. <laughs> yeah, the minute Robin said it, I was like, oh, wow, I really missed that. I tr- <laughs> Everything Robin says is right. Exactly. Like, Walt's been talking to Locke way more than we thought. <laughs> this is also a really scary power for Robin to have. Like, <laughs> if she told me something, I would 100% believe her. Start messing with you. So, when once they're, like, walking around, Kate asks about Walt... Mm-hmm. And they talk about how Walt is brave, but Michael can't take credit of, for it because he wasn't really in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why he was in Australia was to get Walt. Why, why, were, why were you in Australia, Kate? And Kate's like, yeah, uh, Kate. like, what was she going to say? I don't know. <laughs> vacation. She was on a um, vacation. She was on a walkabout. Mm. Yeah. But, um, and then Locke would have turned around and been like, no kidding. <laughs> Locke's like, that's mine. To do one of those. You're not allowed to do it. So then Locke's like, spores, spores. The boars are here. Earlier I was talking about how this show likes to take their time. And this mm-hmm. is a, a, an example of that. Because this scene is like, I would say, 30 seconds-ish long. And it's silent. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. They know how to let things breathe. Particularly in this yeah. first season. Yeah. Which is really nice for the audience. Because... It makes those um, heart-stopping moments all the more, like, intense. It's also really annoying when you're watching it with people who are watching it for the first time, and then they're on their phone for half of it, and you're just like, this show is filled with visual cues! What are you doing? I was gonna say, like, the island itself, not even just thematically, but looking, is its own character. And they take perfect advantage of that, like, when you have all this gorgeous scenery... You don't need to have your actors talk. You can, you know, you yeah. can do a lot. Just look at Hawaii. Got. That's actually what I caught myself doing when I was um, watching it is I was taking notes on my phone, but at the same time, I couldn't stop 
actually watching the screen, which I find is rare nowadays because I'm always mm-hmm. on my phone Same. or watching TV. I kept pausing it. On this show, yeah, it's just such a visual delight that, like, I want to watch it. I want to mm-hmm. pay attention. I want to be in those, like, quieter moments and really experience that because you know that it's worthwhile. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Then um, Locke saves Kate once the boar attacks and it ends up attacking Michael. So that's to be Michael. So, like, is that just a chivalry thing, or is that, like, it, it might be that, but it's also maybe a metaphor or, like, uh, some symbolism? And also, Kate was, like, right next to him. Like, he would have had to yeah. lunge across the clearing to get to Michael. Yeah. Whereas Kate is kind of, like, right next to him. Yeah. But it probably is some internalized, like, oh, a totally. damsel in distress sort you, of thing. You yeah, help the like, lady. Mm, yeah. And then, so Locke can't get up. And then we do the foot shot again. Yeah. Yep. And he calls Kate Helen. So sad. Which was the flashback that we just saw. Mm -hmm. And then Kate decides to take Michael back and Locke decides to go on and don't tell him what he can't do. I have a little bit of a commentary about that. Okay. Um, Love to. mm -hmm. So just for a little background information, I had really bad nerve damage back when I was in my early 20s and I was in a wheelchair for a little while and I had to relearn how to walk. And the moment there where Locke just gets up and hauls butt on out of there, I it, it read to me as a twofold thing. One, he needs to prove to himself after this moment of panic where he thought, am, am I paralyzed again? Like, have I lost all mm-hmm. these gains? It's mm-hmm. also the fact that Michael was wounded in his leg. Right. And I, it, like, they could have had the boar hit him anywhere. They chose the leg on purpose. Yeah. When, when Michael is alone with Kate, he refers to himself, he says, like, guy with the gimpy leg gets to set the pace. And he's, I couldn't help but think how that would have felt for Locke to hear him say that. Because oh. when you have a permanent disability... Yeah. It's so hard to talk about it because it's constant and you feel like you're complaining or people don't want to hear it or you're just tired of feeling it. Mm-hmm. Whereas when your disability is temporary, Michael can call himself a gimp. Michael can refer to his lack of ability to walk without shame because it, he doesn't feel that it's, it doesn't say anything about him. He got injured. Right. Whereas for Locke... I can only imagine how hard it would be to listen to Michael so flippantly refer to himself as a gimp to own this this moment of weakness without shame when so much of his life is focused around feeling shame that he's different and that he has limitations and trying to pretend rather than I'm going to do everything I can and figure out how it works for me. It's I'm going to do what ever anyone else can do Mm -hmm. which is it's it's unfortunately a sad way to look at it because disability problems aside I have some lingering ones I'm never going to be Kobe Bryant I can't dunk a basketball it doesn't (laughs) matter how hard I work I'll never be Kobe Bryant and I think for Locke I think they nailed the bitterness of an able-bodied person who has taken for granted his entire life because I've been there the ability to mm-hmm. simply move around of his own steam. Like when you can't move, when you have to depend upon other people to do the most basic things for you, it's so, it makes you feel like, what am I worth if I can't do this basic thing? 
what the hell am I good for if I can't walk to the bathroom on my own? Mm -hmm. So I think Locke has taken that shame and made it so internal and intrinsic. Not only is going off after the boar a need to prove himself again and a moment of, see, I'm not still broken, which I, I don't mean to say that obviously he was not broken before, but he sees yeah, it that no. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having having to be around Michael, who is very temporarily dealing with something that was his whole world, I think would have just been in that moment too much. I love that. I think that's exactly what that scene was. Because I always sort of had the inkling that like, Locke couldn't stand to be around Michael for that exact reason, but yep. hearing your insights, like, that's, I just, that's so perfectly articulated, and that is absolutely what that scene is. It's, uh, I, I found that, like, obviously some of their, some of their commentary on disability has not aged well, mm-hmm. but the rage Locke feels, the bitterness and the inability to move on feels so on point to me especially because you know when you grow up having an advantage when you grow up having a skill it's just part of who you are and when you take it away yeah well who are you it's just such a great moment for Locke with that moment of like panic of am I back to who I was in the wheelchair I can't be that man again because I don't think he likes himself yeah I don't think he like I I mean Spoiler territory, obviously, for his past. There's other factors at play. But I don't think he likes the version of himself who lives in that wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And and for him, I think the island, it's not even just about being able to walk. It's about being a version of himself he can respect. Because I don't think Locke sees much of value since so much of his ethos is centered around this survivalist, you know, survival of the fittest even. And Mm -hmm. previously, the man he was had no value in that dichotomy. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's it's just very interesting. Love it. She's so smart. (laughs) She's so smart. That's why we got you. (laughs) Thank you, guys. (laughs) Like, I don't even have anything to add. I'm just like, hard eyes emoji. This is so smart. (laughs) Well, to be fair, I didn't have this depth of understanding before I was in a wheelchair myself for a while, so... Fair enough, fair enough. I think you kind of have to go through it to really get it. I'm glad you chose these episodes, Sarah. I was... No, when I was deciding, I definitely... I decided I thought that I had a personal experience that that brought something extra to walk about, so that would probably mm-hmm. be a good one. Yeah, that's a, awesome. Yeah. So the next time that we're in the boar storyline, Kate is stopping with Michael, and it's a, she like starts to take off his or take off her own belt, and Michael's like, "Whoa, what, what's up?" <laughs> oh, Michael, because oh. Michael, yeah, she's not, she's not, not right now, Michael. She's, trust me, don't <laughs> she's worry about not it, man. Stripping for you, dude. <laughs> so she starts to climb the tree and attach the thing or whatever. Fun fact: Evie does her own climbing. Ooh, she does a lot of climbing, oh. and she always does it herself. And then monster sound, and she drops a thing, and trees fall, and so the lock sees the the monster, mm-hmm. but also right before that we can hear a boar squealing. So the boar that Locke brings later was 
the one was one that he killed himself because he has blood all over him, mm-hmm. or was it the one that the monster killed? I assumed it was another one, just because he's so. And this could be just like how I read his character. Mm-hmm. But if he had taken the boar back that the monster killed and presented it as his own, I I think it would have felt incomplete to him. So much of this yeah, is about like becoming that. the person he thinks is worth something. And this is how he becomes worth something again. And to simply pick up the pig that the monster killed and bring it back just doesn't feel like his journey. It's not what he would want to do since he's so keen on setting up these very specific, you know, milestones in his mm-hmm. development as he sees it. Agree. I have another fun fact. Yes. Okay. So the the shot where Locke sees the monster, mm-hmm. <laughs> Terry was like, how do I react? And I think the director was Jack Bender this time, told him to imagine he saw the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. Uh, isn't that perfect, by the way, that Locke just stands yes. up to the monster? I, yes. I, have, I have thoughts on that in the spoiler part. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. I, I, randomly, I was going to say about that, though, it's... I talking about me again. There is there is that thing of like once you've been through something that's so egregiously over the top from wherever like I never thought to myself someday I'll relearn to walk. Like I just assumed I would walk for the rest yeah. of my life until I no longer right. walked because I was dead. So, <laughs> yeah. once you go through something that you thought you weren't going to be able to go through. Like, uh, the doctors told me that I was going to walk with a cane for the rest of my life. And you guys saw Mm -hmm. me catch air in Vancouver. I walk pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's this level of once you've been there, once you've been through something that you didn't think you could get through, stuff trips you out way less. Yeah. Like, Locke standing up to the monster of, like, I do not cower. I do not, I will not be on my knees. I am on my feet, no matter what, for the rest of my life. Feels so perfect and beautiful. I love that. I love Locke so much. Yeah. Walt is chilling with Sun, and so she has this plant in, like, I don't even know what it's in, but, like, where did she get this plant? Did she find it on the island? Or was it on the plane? Like, I don't know. I assumed on island. Because there yeah, are... but then it's like, how did you, like, take this out of the ground? Like, uh, she's already, like, got a garden going. It's because th- this is an actual thing. Mm. There's... They're called, like, chew sticks. They've been used okay. uh, in place of toothbrushes since, like, ancient Babylonia and Egypt... And uh, the Egyptians used them, too. So I would assume, given that we are kind of to understand that Sun likes botany... That later mm-hmm. we see that she has kind of an affinity for plants. I'm just mm-hmm. going to assume she knew how to make the chewing twig. Okay, so. sweet. Yeah, so yeah, she mentions it's like toothpaste and Walt learns the word and it's really cute because they're like hanging out and they ended up being able to find a way to relate to each other anyway. Yeah, I like And then I like yeah, that. And then Michael comes back the and Walt's happy to see him. Oh, And it's nice. Um, and then, you know, Sawyer shows up and, is, and says, The Mighty Huntress returns. What's for dinner, huh? Not now. He's not into her at all. And Kate's like, 
hard pass. Mm-mm. So then Kate goes over, gives the piece to Saeed, and like we talked about, he has to lie to everyone, and he's really upset about it, but I guess he'll just freaking try again. He will never give up. I love that about Saeed. He does not give up no matter what. So. Me too. Should have been the leader, man. Should have been the leader. Should have been. Absolutely should have been. And then, you know, Jack senses that somebody is in distress or, like, somebody is trying to join the love triangle. And he's like, excuse me. And comes over and, like, touches Kate's face. My radar went off. That was an opportunity for a Jate moment. He had to take it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kate thinks Locke is dead. And here's where Jack sees a man in a suit again, because we don't know who it is until next episode. Mm, it's a mystery. What a mystery. Yeah. A mystery. And then he just friggin' books it because he's, yeah. Same. And then we see that Locke has the boar, and we sort of uh, discuss that, and he's covered in blood, and it's, that's cute. Yeah. Not scary at all. Uh, and then after that, you know, Jack is all off sitting alone, and Michael congratulates Locke about the boar. And asks him if he saw the monster, and he says no. Which is a lie. Why don't you lie about that? My personal take is that he wants... This is something that's just his. Like, so much Ah. of Locke is wanting to feel special. And think about Mm -hmm. it. Everyone else who has encountered the monster, like, everything else, the monster encounters people, and people die, things get smashed. Locke looks it in the face, and it leaves him alone. Yeah. And I think for him, that's proof, more proof, that this is his destiny. Like, we see that he's obsessed with the idea of the walkabout being his destiny. And I think in a way, he has decided that, no, 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 it wasn't I was destined to go on this walkabout. I was destined to try to go on the walkabout to get refused, to get on this plane, to have the plane crash so I could be here and walk again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, part of it, too, is if you tell people the monster looked at me and it seems like maybe we're pals, that's not the best way to get people to trust you. (laughs) But also, I do think it is that very childish impulse. This is mine. Mm -hmm. It makes me special. If I tell other people, maybe it'll like them, too. Or maybe, you know, they won't believe me. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a thing he gets to keep that makes him feel special and connected and important. Like, we look at him in the flashbacks, and he's constantly being devalued by that jerk Randy. Randy is garbage. Yeah. Oh, Randy. And it's it's just slight tangent, but, like, when you're in a wheelchair, people don't really look at your face a lot of the time. When I was in a wheelchair, people would- Yeah, they look at the chair. Like, they look at the chair, or they would just- It was like I was covered in, like, butter. Like, they would just glide over me- (laughs) They wouldn't pay, like, they wouldn't acknowledge I was a human, or they would speak to the person who I was walking with, who was able-bodied, mm. and treat me like wow. I was some sort of... Yeah, no, it happens all the time, and I think it's because there's this, even when people don't mean to be jerks, there's a level of discomfort. They don't understand yeah. what to say, how to say it, should I acknowledge you're in a wheelchair, should I not? And I think for Locke, when you've spent... Obviously, you know, just the social consequence of being in a wheelchair is you are marked out as Mm -hmm. different and given less, not attention, but people, people tend to see the chair first and you're just chair person. And now he has something that makes him special, that makes him, I mean, crazy killing monster doesn't want to kill you. That's pretty awesome. 
But like on the other hand, it's such a it's such a selfish thing. Cause it's like, hey, I know the thing that's been killing people, but um, not gonna tell y'all though. It seems to like me, so you know, guys, I'm 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 kind of for it now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely childish, and I think that is it. It feels childish to mm-hmm. me, and I I think maybe there's a component there too of he doesn't understand it. Like, how do you explain that? Because as yeah. soon as he tells someone what they're going to want to know, how it happened, why it happened. What it looks like. What it looks like, what's all this stuff. And for him, he doesn't know the answers, and it's a spiritual experience. Sarah, are you moving around? I was for a second. Sorry, my laptop almost died, so I had to replug it. Oh, okay. I'm good. So now moving on to the Claire stuff. Claire has found wedding photos for Steve and Kristen. And she said, Some of us were wondering if maybe we should do some kind of memorial service or something. Which is like a lovely idea. Yeah, it's so sweet. And she thought yeah. that Jack could lead it because, you know, he's the main character. And Jack's like, uh-huh, not my thing. And so Claire says, Maybe I'll do it. Yeah, sounds fine. Whatever everybody wants. But I'm like, Jack, which is, she's, she's the right person to do it. Yes, I definitely agree, oh, okay. but I also feel like Jack could have done it. If, if they or really at least, Jack like, he could have been like, you know, that's not really my thing. I'm not a speech giver, mm-hmm. but I'll totally go. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think this is your idea. You should do it, mm-hmm. Claire. Like, pump her up at the same second that you step away mm-hmm. from having to make this speech. But that's, like, him growing as a leader, right? Like, he doesn't understand yeah, yeah. that he needs to be giving validation. Mm-hmm. Yep. The next time we see Claire is uh, when Claire finds the picture of Saeed's that is of an important lady who we'll talk about in the spoiler section. (laughs) Uh, And then the next time is just that Sawyer shows up and gives Claire the wallets and the passports that he found uh, last episode. And so we're like, Sawyer is an okay dude for that one second. I love good guy Sawyer. He's done his decent human being thing for the day. Now he's gonna go back to being He, f- he filled his good quota. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I gotta do, like, one thing a day that proves I'm not totally awful. I'm so proud of him. And then the last scene is just when they're doing the memorial, and I have the whole list of names here, but n- they're not, like, super <laughs> relevant. One of them was an organ donor, uh, or at least she would have been. They're, like, out there b- burning the fuselage. She says... That she remembers Steve and Kristen because they were a little bit behind her, and she remembers them because they seem so happy, and at least they're not alone. Oh, so sad. And it's like, Claire, it's like, Jack could not have done it as nicely as Claire did. No. So, like, I'm so glad that- Even Kate couldn't have done it. Yeah, it it had to be Claire. I think the only person who might, Hurley, might be able to do it, but not the Hurley he is now. Yeah, yeah. The Hurley he will become later Mm -hmm. could do it. Mm -hmm. There is- it's, it's just, it's a little bit sad because while all these nice things are happening, Charlie's over doing drugs. Oh, Charlie. Oh, I was, I was gonna say something about that. I just noticed this time. The fuselage is really, it's a moment of humanity. Mm-hmm. It's giving all these people, they're not just bodies, they're not just missing people, they're not, you know, inconveniences. They're mm-hmm. humans. They lived. They have feelings. The thing that makes Charlie go use again, like, that we, they kind of thematically, I mean, obviously, addiction, but thematically, the line they draw 
is Shannon dehumanizes him. Yeah. Yeah. She flirts, and Boone does it too. She flirts with him, and then at the end, it's revealed that this is just a game Shannon and Boone are playing together, and it has nothing to do with Charlie. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really interesting to see this scene of humanization that really brings hope to the rest of the cast, and the way it humanizing people lifts lifts just you up in like the person who does the humanizing who listens to it it makes you better yeah simply for not turning other people into cardboard cutouts Mm -hmm. and contrasting the good that does with what shannon and boone inadvertently did to charlie i think is a really nice kind of thematic dark and light good and bad yeah i never thought about it that way that's great Mm mm-hmm when Charlie comes back, Kate asks about where Jack is, and he's like, I don't freaking know. I have a thing. <laughs> There's a guy named Harold who Claire is talking about. He was in seat 23C, and that's in Jack's row. But Jack wasn't sitting with him. Oh. So, like, where's Harold at? I'm going to call the continuity police on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it, I think it's just they forgot their rows. Yeah. Uh, he could have been like in the bathroom. He was I don't in the bathroom. Know. He was and just the whole. Wait, flight. wasn't there an occupied bathroom? Oh wait, no. But wasn't Bernard in the yeah, bathroom? Yeah, I was just gonna say Bernard was in the bathroom it was in the back. To be Rose, Bernard, and Jack. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm forgetting. Robin, you'll probably remember. Was it a four seater plane or a three seater plane? I was just thinking, plane? like Robin would know how many bathrooms there are, right? <laughs> what were they? Three people, rows or four? Because if they're four. Then maybe Rando. I'm could also almost the certain that it goes three on either side and then three in the middle. In that case, continuity cops call. Yep. They forgot about Bernard. Anyway, you know who didn't forget about Bernard? Right. I'm just trying to think of the moment where Charlie jumps over top of Boone and Shannon, and who's like <laughs> beside them if there's three, two, two, one person or two people. Doesn't okay. Either way. Yeah. Probably the continuity police. Okay. Yeah. Um, are we ready to move on to Boone and Shannon and the fishing and stuff? Yes. Let's do it. All right, sweet. Boone sees Rose and is talking to Shannon about it. And then Shannon says, like, one of Shannon's iconic quips. What's a four-letter word for I don't care? <laughs> Same, Shannon. Same. Oh. Boone mentions that he's the one who feeds her and blah, blah, blah. She should go catch a fish, and she's like, I can catch a fish, and Ocean won't take your gold card. So Shannon decides she's gonna go and freaking catch a fish. Charlie is, like, out, gonna, about to do some drugs, and then Shannon shows up, and it's just like, hi, do you wanna go for a walk? And Charlie's like, yes, I would. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, pretty brawn, so girl. sad. Yeah. It is sad. It's very sad. Because I'm, I'm a Shannon defender. I feel like there's a story for, like, I have this whole massive headcanon about Shannon and having an eating disorder, Mm. because they tip at that a little bit in the pilot. Right. Where she's really, they they have that scene where she's very odd about food. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think if you look at Shannon as someone who has these horrible body image issues and very clearly thinks her worth lies in who can I flirt with? Who do thinks I'm hot? And then the way Boone talks down to her, you really do see how a person like Shannon can be created. Like, he's he's her brother, mm-hmm. 
and he's casually just like, you're useless. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do anything. You want, what are you? You're hot and you have money. Yeah. The end. If you're constantly told that you can't do anything, it will force you to come up with ways to get other people to do stuff for you just to prove that exactly. you, you have yes. power over them. And it's, again, it's, it's, there's such a sad, wonderful character study hidden, hidden in some, some perhaps surface writing on Shannon. But there's definitely more to be said there about a young woman who has been taught that her only value is in what can you charm other people into doing. You have no other bargaining chip but your body, so go to. Mm -hmm. I wish the show went more into that because that could be something really beautiful. I agree. Yeah. There's also, like, this great moment where she's like, can I ask you something? And he goes, yes, I am the bass guitarist of... Oh, God, Charlie. Oh. Like, did like, you forget? You and he's like, uh, yes. He just wants someone to love him so much. He really does. He's like, uh, England's, uh, England's uh, an island, so... I, I was born to fish. Oh, bless his little heart. And uh, another thing in here is just that I noticed that they're using the wheelchair for wood and yep yeah they've been using the wheelchair in really sneaky ways they used it last episode too mm-hmm. claire used it a lot yeah and i i it, i like the way that up until the lock reveal you wouldn't have put the two together but you see that you've seen that wheelchair so yeah. much yeah. that by the time you get to the reveal it's like Oh my god! And then it feels weird when you, it, it feels like you're desecrating something now when you look at it. Mm-hmm. Also, can you imagine being Locke and having to sit there and watch that chair? Like, I would want to take it and burn it. Yeah, like yeah. I would be like, the wheelchair? Uh, I don't know where it went, guys. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. Maybe the ocean? Someone's get, stealing stuff. Maybe, I don't maybe know. it ran away. It's probably there, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, Sawyer took it. Yeah, yeah, let's play that Everyone go look at Sawyer. Sawyer's like, what would I do with a wheelchair? Hurley and Charlie go fishing because they're best friends. <laughs> yes. Hurley and Charlie. They're really bad at it. They're so bad, but, like, Hurley's like, I went fishing with my dad. I have a and question. Mostly they're like, so cute. Yeah. Why do they think they can catch fish right off the beach? Because <laughs> they're dummies. Because <laughs> they're Hurley and Charlie. They're so special. That's pretty much it. Okay. He's like, whatever, as long as I'm away from the fuselage and Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he has, like, this, like, fit where he's like, I hate my life. Why are bad things happening? I can't even catch a fish. And then Charlie tries, and he falls into the water, and they laugh, and they're best friends, and I love them. And everything's fine. It makes the end of the episode even sadder that they had so much fun doing that. Yep. Yeah. Like, it was great. He had this great moment. And then... And then this happens. Wah, wah. Boone tells Shannon that Locke didn't come back, and Shannon's really mad because he didn't bring food, and then Boone's <laughs> like, um, he could have died, you jerk. Yeah. <laughs> like, have some perspective. And then Charlie brings the fish, and Boone's like, bro, bro, I'm so sorry. But it's also, like, a moment where we're talking about how Charlie's being dehumanized because Boone pretty much just goes, I'm sorry this happened to you, and then walks away, and then Shannon mm-hmm. yeah, just, like, Boone's follows a- him jerk about yep. it <laughs> he's like sorry bro sucks sucks to be um, you bro and then yeah charlie is ignored and used is a note that i had also and it's sad. also like oh my god light bulb i just figured this out oh wow so he spent this whole time <laughs> sarah marveling at her own genius <laughs> sorry no i just never i never thought about this way but he's so he wants to be recognized mm-hmm. yeah. he wants it's not so much like 
I'm famous. Love me. It's like, just please know who I am. Yeah. Recognize my work. Yeah. Recognize that I did something cool that I'm proud of. So he's he's done it again. Like, he's been like, I did this thing, and it's cool. And I actually, like, after the day of trial, I have a fish for you. He's looking for validation. And they just walk away. Yeah, they yeah. They don't even take the fish. Yeah. <laughs> like... It's that thing, again, of he just wants validation. He wants attention. He wants someone to be like, I see this thing you did, and you did well. And, again, it's just like a slap in the face of, not only not only do did we dehumanize you and ignore you, this wasn't about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, you could have been any Joe nobody off the street. You were just the first person Shannon happened to come up to. Yeah, she was like, this is a person I can manipulate. Yeah, she found, exactly. she found a target. So she's like, whatever, Boone, go rescue a baby bird or something. He's like, I'm trying. And then, uh, yeah, he's like, um, yeah. <laughs> Have you not noticed how I follow you around judging your life? Yeah. What do you think I'm trying to do, Shannon? Um, are we ready to move on to Jack and Rose? Yes. Cool. So Boone goes up and is just like, Jack, you should go talk to Rose because you're the main <laughs> character. <laughs> but he says you're the one who saved her life, which makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking Boone is just like, I would do it, but... I did it wrong before, so I'd probably mess up again. I like how Boone spots problems and then takes them to someone else. Like, hello, I have noticed a thing that's wrong. You fix it. That's so true, though. I don't have the capabilities to fix it, but I know you can. In my notes, I have Boone. Just do something, bro. (laughs) Like, just try. Jack goes over to Rose, says he's in 23A. He he was in 23A. So that's another thing that it's like literally in the exact same episode, he's saying 23A and Claire's saying the other guy sat in 23C. Yep. Maybe they just really like the number 23. Hmm, that's weird. Uh, that, how, how strange. This show in numbers? I don't know. I don't think there's much there. Nah. Lost hates numbers. <laughs> the next time, Rose says that Bernard's fingers swell. And so that's why she has her... Like, his ring around her neck. Um, and then she lets him off the hook and says, you don't have to keep your promise. You don't have to take care of me until he comes back. He says she's in post-traumatic shock. And she's mentioning about how Jack is a good dude. He has a good soul. He's patient and he's caring. And that's probably why he became a doctor. Mm-hmm. And then Jack's it's a family business. This is a good Jack scene, by the way. Yes. Agree. This is one of those scenes where I was like, if... If I didn't have all my baggage from later Jack stuff, I would really like this character right now. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I like best about this scene is that Rose's not so much grieving process as, like, coping process is so different from anyone else's. Mm -hmm. So, like, someone like Shannon, for example, who internalizes and makes, or doesn't internalize, but externalizes it and makes it all about her because she doesn't know how to cope with things. Mm -hmm. Whereas... Rose is just sort of, she doesn't want attention. She doesn't really want anyone to be around her. She just wants some quiet where she can process what happened and then move on without inconveniencing anyone else. Yeah. It's just, Rose is such an interesting character. And the fact that she's willing to open up to Jack is just sort of, it's not so much for Rose as it is for Jack. Rose already knows what she believes and what she's feeling it's more like well here you go jack here's here's a moment for you to accept what's happened also it's it's interesting because part of what gets rose moving is jack telling her that that people are worried about her Mm -hmm. that her coping method is now starting to kind of freak everybody else out yeah 
And I thought that's an interesting thing of like, I mean, if she still needed to do it because Rose is awesome and always right, she would be like, well, I'm still going to do it because it's what I need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like that it is for her this moment of like, okay, I'm in a place where I can get up and now I might be upsetting people as well. The last thing that we see is Jack is telling Rose about the memorial and she says she'd really like to go. And maybe she could say something about Bernard. And she's like, Jack, <laughs> you're Saddam. You, f- you fool. Doctor, my husband is not dead. Bernard's not dead. And he's like, well, he was in the tail section. And she's like, listen, you think I wouldn't know if my husband was dead? He's fine. And they're probably thinking the same thing about us. Hmm. hmm. I'm just saying. Hmm. Abby Griffin AF. <laughs> <laughs> That's real, though. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's all I could think while I was watching that. I was like, this is the most Abby scene in the world. No, they're alive. Mm-hmm. I know because of my hope and because I need them to be. Yeah, she's like, in my heart, I know this to be true. And I'm like, I believe you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So Rose like, is always right. If there's a woman with a stubborn belief, you can catch me sitting right at her going, I believe you. I will follow you on this journey. <laughs> At one point, I had a lost recap blog that was called Rose is Always Right. Yes. (laughs) The last thing is that Jack sees this man in suit and, yeah, is just, like, a little frightened by that. But there's a fun fact. The guy who ends up playing that character next episode, Mm -hmm. uh, the actor that's playing him right now is not that actor. He just looks like him from far away. Oh. I didn't even notice that. Like, if you hadn't said that, I would have just been like, yeah, that's that's spoiler. Yeah. That is definitely spoiler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never would have picked up on that. So we're gonna move on to the flashbacks in Walkabout. And the first thing is that Locke is working at his desk. But it's, like, great because right before that, on the island, they all go, who is this guy? He must be, like, really badass in real life. And then he's just, like, sitting at a desk. Actually, he's kind of a huge nerd. He's the colonel. Mm -hmm. And I quote, Colonel Locke, is this line secure? Bless. And so he's talking to his friend. I love him. Who goes by GL12, uh, and they're going to hang out at 1300 hours so they can play their board game. These are my people, okay? Randy's a moron. This sounds awesome. Yes, my next... My next note is Randy is worst worst boss. Randy is Randy. that annoying millennial who gets hired over like other people and then thinks they're like mm-hmm. hot stuff. Yeah. He totally knows someone in the company. Yeah. Like his uncle works there yeah. or something. Like, and he, that is why Randy got his position. Yeah, like he's not good at his job. No. <laughs> no. Cuz being a good boss would probably involve not dehumanizing your employees. Exactly. And speaking of Mm-hmm. The next time we see freaking Randy and uh, the flashback, it's another cool thing where they take a piece from on the island and relate it to the flashback. So it's after Locke has fallen down and he can't get up, and they yell mm-hmm. "Move!" and he's and move because he's playing a board game. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But what game is this? I've never heard of this game. I assume it's not a real game. I think on Lost P, it said something. It was like. Risk and like something else, but yeah, I was gonna say it yeah, looks it, like risk. It looks like a knockoff risk to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, Locke says patience is the hallmark of a leader. <laughs> That's the thing that Locke seems to like to say things like that. He knows all about leadership. He's oh, Randy. Randy looks at his file just to check to see if he's been in the military. He yeah, says, never right. been the in way Randy forces. says on foot is like. <laughs> 
Like, l- just let him play he, his freaking game. Yeah. He's the grossest person in the world. Because that's, th- that's just one of those things of, like, as someone who has been there, just the condescension in his voice when he's like, oh, on foot. Mm-hmm. What a like, jerk. Who treats someone like that? Like, right? I never, like, nonetheless, even, like, a human being, but, like, someone that you can clearly see is in a wheelchair and you you needle them about the wheelchair? Who does that? He also, like, had a brochure on his desk and he took it off and, like, is now making fun of him for it. Like, why? What is it about Locke that infuriates this kid so much? It doesn't make any sense. And and Locke's like, it's a a journey of spiritual renewal. Like, it's not about walking. Yeah. It's about your mentality. So let him live. Like, I feel like Randy was that school bully who thought that, like, he was gonna be amazing and, like, was gonna do all sorts of things and got stuck in a dead-end job and so, like, is trying to find power anywhere he can. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, also, look at the way he targets Locke and not his buddy he's playing yeah. with. Yeah, he picked what he I perceived it, to be the weakest link. I was gonna say, yeah, I think you nailed it with the bully thing, is he feels superior to Locke. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's Locke is someone he can comfortably, you know, I'm better than you, and I can walk, come on. And a bunch of things apples in here and oranges. is foreshadowing. So like, if you hadn't seen the episode before... It's all foreshadowing when you go back. He says things like on foot, and when he's talking about mm-hmm. Norman Croucher, he's a W or a W, yep. a double yeah. amputee. So, you know, these are all like little hints. Yeah, it was really wild watching it again, like knowing what the twist would be and going, oh wow, I feel kind of stupid mm-hmm. for not seeing it coming. Yeah. The way they film it is so clever because they don't call attention to the fact that every time you see him, he's sitting down. Yeah, they, put, they don't yeah. make a big deal out of they it. Make it they make it They just natural. put you in places where he would be sitting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His, his friend knows about Helen, so that's a point. Oh, Helen. And his, um, his, his fact about Norman Croucher actually isn't correct. Norman Croucher scaled a whole bunch of mountains, but never did Everest. Wow. I kind of like that even better. Mm-hmm. Like that just, Locke got the hero it, thing wrong? Uh, yeah, and also it's... So much of Locke's mentality is based around, I don't want to be different from anyone else. I don't want accommodations. I don't want to have to modify how I do something. I want to be like everyone else because that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. And I think for him, having it be this thing of even the inspirational story he clings to is not quite right. He's not looking at reality right. from a perspective of, like, I mean, now I don't walk with a cane anymore, but there are certain things I just can't do mm-hmm. yeah. because my back is not good, my legs are not good, I need to be careful. Mm-hmm. And it's, for Locke, I think it's interesting that he's pinned all his hopes on a person who is, similarly disabled in terms of not having the use of his legs, being able to do this thing Mm -hmm. just like anyone else. But he's not right. That's not how it happened. Mm -hmm. I think if anything, what they did really well is Locke has an able-bodied person's view of disability. Yeah. He doesn't understand how to live in his own body. And I think having the thing that he holds out as a symbol of his hope be actually partially a lie 
whether or not they meant it, considering a uh, spoiler territory about Locke mm-hmm. and how much he needs to believe in things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think having that big thing be not entirely true is perfect. Yeah. And then that's the first time we hear, uh, don't tell me what I can't do, which is Locke's yes. big Iconic. motto. Iconic. Oh, I love don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> the next time we see him, we're at his, his house. It's very messy there. Uh, and there's a machine by the bed. So that's another thing that's foreshadowing, because that's a machine that you, like, hook up to places, and it's like a nerve electrical yep. machine thing. Is that what that is? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's talking to her on the phone, saying that he told off Randy and Destiny and Helen and flying to Australia and two tickets, and they've been talking for eight months, and she thinks of him as just a customer. She doesn't want to... But, like, she said, that's not what I do. But, like, what does she do? Is this a sex operator? Yeah. Yeah, I assumed okay. it was a phone yeah, sex it's a phone line. sex line. Because she says to him, this isn't, like, she implies that they've just been chatting about life mm-hmm. on his dime instead of sex. And she's, that's not what she's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Which is so odd, because he says he has a therapist. So, like, why is he doing both? Mm-hmm. And she says she's going to need to charge him another hour if they keep talking. And that's another $90. Like, that's expensive as heck. Especially for eight months of that. Yeah. And that's, like, what, once a week, maybe? I have a thought on the therapist thing. Hmm. Therapists require that you acknowledge your problems and work Mm. to improve your life. Oh, that's a good point. To go to a therapist and have it work, you have to be honest with them. And where Locke is at, I just don't see him being honest with a therapist. That's a good point. Right. I mean, he's barely honest with Helen, as far as we can tell. But I think there is that thing of, like, he goes to therapy because he has to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's not getting anything out of it. Like, very clearly, he's an angry man who hasn't learned to accept what's happened to his body and how it's changed him. And I think the therapy piece is just, like, if you don't want to be better or if you won't admit there's a problem, therapy can't do anything for you. Right. So, of course, therapy's not working for him. And I'm sure being Locke, he would say to himself, well, this is useless. Yeah. This is dumb. Like, there's no <laughs> point like, to me doing this, then. I don't have a problem. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with my brain. The problem is my legs. Right. That That's exactly so then, right. Yeah. He's really upset and he slams the phone down. Then the next time, he's already in Australia. And... They're saying walkabouts are really rough, and Locke knows all this stuff. He, They already have taken his money, and, you know, he's been misrepresented. He's been lying by omission. He said he's been living with his condition for four years, and don't tell him what he can't do, <laughs> of course. Uh, and then we learn that he was in a wheelchair, and he still thinks it's his destiny to go on this thing. His destiny is fate, you know? Yeah. I love uh, that twist. Oh, One yeah. of the best twists. It's one of the best twists in TV it's history. It's still a gut punch. Like, mm-hmm. even when you know it's coming. Yes. There's definitely this feel of, like, even though you know it's going to be there, it's still just as rattling yeah. as mm-hmm. it is that first time. Yeah. Part of that is his performance. Like, he... Terry is so talented. I love Terry. So good. I have to say, like, the the level of... I mean, so much of Locke is about being in control. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to do... I mean, I'm sure that, obviously, spoiler stuff, we see that 
his personality is similar even before he was disabled mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Right. But I think especially when you are disabled, so much of your life is not within your literal physical control that to see him break down that way, he has this moment of like, he's not in control. It's almost yeah. like a tantrum. Right. And it's so sad and so beautiful because this is, oh, I love it. I just love it. And then that's when we go back to the the flashback that we already saw at the very beginning of the episode. But now it has so much more depth mm-hmm. and more meaning. And that's why I love that choice. He gets up and like, it's wow. It's a moment of joy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then at the very end, Locke sees the wheelchair near the fire and he smiles. And you're like, yes. Good ending. Yes. Good. Fantastic ending. Agreed. Oh, I was just going to say, I had in my notes that I like that the, I think the theme of these two episodes in particular is we are who we were. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. I wrote in my notes, there's never a clean slate. We are what we were, even when we're what we'll become. You're never one self. You're just a composite of each self you've ever been layered on top of each other. And I think it's interesting that you have all these characters telling themselves I'm a new me. The island is a death and rebirth. Like, we hear that mm-hmm. over and over, the death and rebirth. You see uh-huh. um, Kate dying and being reborn in, yep. reborn in the sheep shed. Like, so all the characters are telling themselves, I can be new. I can be clean. I can be someone else mm-hmm. who has not dealt with what I've dealt with. Mm-hmm. But they're all lying to themselves. Right. And the the show, via flashbacks, shows that. And I really like how they do that. I love this show. Which, for me, gives Rose, like, an interesting look. Because Rose is still mm-hmm. completely and entirely herself. Mm-hmm. She doesn't yes. believe that anything's changed. It's very much that, like, life is still the same and she's just going to keep moving. Yep. Rose is exactly the same except for this one thing. Yeah. That she's without. Which she that, has. But it sense. doesn't change her. Exactly. I was going to say spoiler territory, but I think Rose is a person who has such a depth of perspective about who she is because she's had to come to terms with herself and find her peace that she is uniquely situated to succeed on the island without going crazy. Mm -hmm. Now during our favorite lines for Walkabout, my favorite line this episode goes to Shannon for... What's a four-letter word for I don't care? And mine is a boon line, which is... Hate to break it to you, the ocean is not going to take your gold card. And mine is the one that everyone would pick, because I don't care. I'm not going to be a hipster today. Don't tell me what I can't do. John Locke. <laughs> yes. That sentence led nicely into it, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I forgot. I had one more observation about the lock line. I like that it's don't tell me what I can do. It's don't tell me what, what I, I can't, can't do. do. Yeah, yeah. It focuses it around his limitations mm-hmm. rather than what he's capable of. Yeah. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing these episodes within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show, too. And if you're a fan of Riverdale, we also like to talk about that show. You can follow at The Aficionados on Twitter, and you can tweet us with anything you'd like us to discuss or discuss with us. Or, yeah, we just like talking to you. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash The Aficionados. 
And we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating. We appreciate it so much. We love you. Bye. <laughs> I'm not saying bye yet. <laughs> Why did Your you turn. Do that? <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at <laughs> Don't tell her what she can't do. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to try that again. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia with two T's and an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. We'd like to thank our special guest, Sarah, for coming in and being probably the smartest person in the entire world. Yay! Yay! Sarah, Sarah, where can we find you on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at Oscar Miked. It's O-S-C-A-R-M-I-K-E-D. And I can be found on Tumblr at Noldian, like Beyonce's last name. I always wondered what that was. It's actually from Sons of Anarchy, but it's easier to tell people it's Beyonce because it's both. Okay. So it works. I like it. Relatable. Next time we'll be discussing episodes 105 and 106, White Rabbit and House of the Rising Sun. And our guest is going to be my cousin Jillian, who it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, guys. It's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, it'll be something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. Sarah, say bye. 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 <laughs> do 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 that was good that was amazing we're really talented all right it's spoiler time sarah say the thing you've been wanting to say the man in black i love the man in black the man in black is actually my favorite character and i'm so excited that we finally got the first appearance of the man in black how is the man in black your favorite character okay I have a thing about Jacob and the man in black, and I don't really understand why. I can't. I like villains, okay? If you okay. give me a complicated villain who really thinks that they're just doing the best thing for themselves and it doesn't like wake up twirling a mustache, like, how shall I ruin your life? That's my favorite thing. It's why Pike worked for me, it's why the man in black works for me. Like, if you think about it, the man in black. His life sucks, and it's not fair. He never asked for this. You know, I have a, I have a question Craig for you, then. Him. Give That's me your horrible. thoughts on Martin Kimi. Oh, man. I, I will say I am not emotionally attached to Kimi the way I am to the man in black. Yeah. But I really do like Kimi. I think Lost does a good villain. Yeah, like, um, I agree, but I also, like, Kimi is, like, the umbrage of Lost to me. He's straight up. It's so funny, because he, he doesn't, I will say this, like, they don't, usually their villains at least have some sort of, like, underpinning where you can kind of understand him. <laughs> Kimi's just a jerk. He's just yes, a yep, jerk. Evil. But I really like Kevin Durand, and I think I just, mm-hmm. I enjoy the way he has fun playing Kimi. True. Like, you can tell that he just got to work and he was like, I love being the bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm not 
sad about him when he dies. I don't have any particular, like, meta about him. I don't think about his childhood. Yeah. But I do enjoy He's him. no Ben Linus. Oh, yeah. Oh. No. Ben Linus is not. my, is, I love the man in black, but Ben Linus, oh my god. Like, when I think about a good villain, I always come back to Ben Linus. Oh, the milk. Literally, like, there was, like, a the Rolling milk. Stones or, like, a Times, like, list of best TV villains, mm-hmm. and it was, like, a hundred of them or whatever, and Ben was number one. He deserves he, it. For good Agree. reason. Yes. He's... Because, like, Ben is, like, you, he, you, they force you to empathize with Ben, but you never forget that Ben has done monstrous things. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's... And again, it comes back to the things of, like, the things that damaged us are the things that make us damage other people. Yeah. Yes. And that's that's Ben in a nutshell. It really is. Yeah. Like, so it's like, daddy didn't love him enough, so I guess he has to become a bunny boiler. The great thing about loving the villains of Lost is it's not the sort of cultural thing that everyone does now where they excuse villains for their actions. So you see, like, Mm -hmm. this hyping Mm -hmm. up of characters like Kylo Ren or of Loki, where it's just like, oh, he's just misunderstood. With (laughs) Lost, it's, no, this person is a villain, and you can love them and see their backgrounds and stuff while also recognizing that they're a crappy person sometimes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't excuse their actions. I think a lot of people and a lot of shows don't understand the difference between understanding someone and excusing someone. Like, yeah. a lot of shows mm-hmm. now, when you introduce the tragic villain background, unfortunately, it's done to to negate their villainy. To say, yeah, oh, right. no, no, they're sad. So it doesn't matter that they murdered all these people. They're sad. <laughs> Which is, like, what the Star Wars prequels tried to do for Darth it's, Vader. Exactly. So now I'm yeah. lost, it's... They're sad, but also you should hold them to account for all the terrible things they did while understanding that they became this person for a reason. Probably it wasn't their choice. You are, we are all the product of our upbringing, etc. and so on. Yeah, which is why the Man in Black and Ben are perfect villains. Oh, yeah. And it's, I think that's why the Man in Black works for me, is because I understand him. He's trapped on this stupid island. He never asked to be there. It's not fair. Like, yeah. it's really not fair. Mm-hmm. And also, he see you know, he sees humanity wash in and out. And as much as I love people, we're kind of garbage. Like, yep. mm-hmm. people are, in my view, neutral slash selfish with the capability for great good and great evil. Mm-hmm. And that's just who we are as people. Like, we're not good or bad. Mm-hmm. We're capable of both. But with the man in black, I mean, he's seeing... The kind of people who are shipwrecking on this island aren't the awesomest of people, especially once they're trapped there. Yeah. So yeah. all he's seeing is the worst parts of humanity, and he's come to believe that it's like, why should I stay on this stupid island <laughs> If, and you're telling me that if I leave, something will hap- bad will happen to the world? Yeah. What do I care? Like, this mm-hmm. is my world, and it sucks. I'm done with yeah. it. And I think that's why I like him so much, is you can understand exactly why the man in black got to be the man in black. And mm-hmm. I can even I can't say that after, you know, I don't know that I would be Jacob. 
And but then again, Jacob is also in a way kind of a dick. Yeah, no, Jacob's, Jacob's a, dick. a jerk. Yeah. So it's you know it's I think it's interesting that Jacob and the Man in Black both share this kind of condescension towards humanity, and they just take it in very different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to just go through all of the times in these two episodes when they brought up the numbers. Oh yes. Yes. So do it. Kate says that or. It's revealed that Kate walked 15 kilometers. Oh. Yep. And that Ray Mullen's wife died eight months, months ago. ago. Her reward uh, for her arrest was $23,000. Oh my god! I was about to say 23 pops up a lot. <laughs> the plane rose. Oh yeah, plane rose. Yes. Yeah, yeah Jackson 23. Yep. A row 23. He's been talking to Helen for eight months. Oh wow, okay. And uh, he's lived with his wheelchair and condition four for four years. Oh my god. Wow, they really did this mm-hmm. early, didn't they? Oh, oh yeah. 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 It's all over. Mm-hmm. Their Easter eggs are just ridiculous. Yeah. Now I'm just going to go through the ones that aren't the numbers and we'll start talking about okay. things. Okay, so the first one I have is that Boone tries to steal the gun. And that might be foreshadowing for the fact that later in season one, Boone tries to st- or steals the water. Oh, okay. I and Boone is always, like, taking things and then thinking that he's doing the right thing and making things easier for people by taking things and taking things into his own hands. Yep. Boone, spoiler alert, it's not. <laughs> Sorry, bro. I think it's also, like, you have people, like, essentially this is Boone's whole thing of, like, I see a problem. Are you gonna fix it? Are you gonna fix it? Are you gonna fix it? Leading up to the point where he starts trying to fix it, and he does terribly. Just terribly. <laughs> So the next one was Jack tells Kate, I am not a murderer. Uh, <laughs> and so I went on to Lostpedia and there is a lovely page called the, that's just under the title Kills. And <laughs> it has all of the characters and how many people they killed and who it was. So I went on here and it actually is really sad because Man in Black has 47 and then it's just a giant list of people that he killed. Saeed's got 17. Uh, ben has got 8. Echo has 8. Jack up here with a 6. So Jack has killed 6 people. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is he, I mean, he, all of these were after he said, I'm not a murderer. You could kind of technically count uh, the patient with his dad. Yeah, that's true. Like, he, he hasn't, like, killed people for the reason of killing them. Because, um, but he has killed people because... Oh, yeah. yeah. I read that as as defensiveness. when Because mm-hmm. he's, he's still so tied up in what happened with his father that I read it as... Like, even though the firing and his dad, you know, running off to Australia was obviously pre-canon a bit, Jack is still so obsessed with that that I yeah. thought that was a knee-jerk response of, like, he's angry. He's not angry at her. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think when he yells, I'm not a murderer, it's about Kate at all. No, no, definitely. I think it's all about his guilt over his dad and the fact that he feels responsible for that person's death. But, like, Jack's list is Edward Mars, which was euthanasia. Right. Then three Dharma Initiative members in Incident Part 1, and one Dharma Initiative member in Incident Part 2, and then the Man in Black. 
but there's also a note here that says he attempted to kill Locke, which he did. I think it was the beginning of season four when he points yeah. the gun at Locke and pulls the trigger. But there's nothing in it. Oh. And I feel I like... forgotten about that. That's almost like the biggest Jackson murderer moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially because that's the first time he's tried to kill somebody since Edward Mars. That was like a turning point for him. I agree. But the, the saddest part about this list is like Charles Widmore has six, Sawyer <laughs> has five, blah, 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 blah. Um, loads of different people. And then you've got, then you go down to uh, our buddy um, Desmond. <laughs> and it oh, says, Desmond. did someone say Desmond? Over, over 252. <laughs> oh. Because oh, he no. killed Kelvin and then most people <laughs> on Oceanic Flight 815. Oh, oh, oh boy. no. Oh no. <laughs> but My it boy. also says accidental in, uh, <laughs> in brackets. Poor Desmond. Oh, boy. This poor guy, yeah. He didn't mean it. He just wanted to go outside. I have another huh. thing. Charlie says to Locke, I used some tribal flutes in a, once in a recording session. I'm in a band. Locke knows he's in a band. Later in season one, he's talking to him about Driveshaft and how he's heard their albums and was a big fan of like this album and this album and this mm -hmm. album. And it's like, mm -hmm. he's telling this thing to like, and obviously I doubt the writers knew this when they were yeah. writing it, but he's telling it to a man who knows and is familiar with his <laughs> band and just hasn't said anything to him. <laughs> Uh, that's so Locke, though. I can genuinely picture Locke waiting, like, a week to be like, oh, yeah, no, I totally listen to your band. He's like, oh, yeah, my favorite album was this one, but I think that you could have used less of this in this one. Okay, but, like, Locke would. The last thing that I have in the spoiler thing for Tubula Rasa is the relationship between Kate and Edward Mars, mm -hmm. but we kind of talked about that a lot. Did you guys want to say anything else about it? I think we pretty much nailed the big tent poles while avoiding, like, concrete spoiler stuff yeah. so i think we're yeah. pretty good okay cool wait i have a quick i have a question about kate <laughs> sure okay yes guys what the fuck did kate do oh she uh she oh, blew up uh, she blew up her mom's house with her stepdad oh that's right yeah the abusive stepdad oh, I genuinely but he ends up not actually being her stepdad and that's why she kills him because it turns out that he was her dad the that's whole her. time right okay thank you i have such a thing for Kate. Like, I'm so sad that they never, like, we get Jack's daddy issues in full, but they kind of, yeah. like, flit in and out mm -hmm. of Kate's parent issues. Mm -hmm. And that's the one I really care about. Yeah, I about. care so much yeah. more about Kate's relationship with their parents than I do Jack. I wish we could have oh. seen more flashbacks with Wayne in them. Yeah. Agree. That was the thing I wanted to say. That was what I forgot about spoilers, is that moment where Kate takes a chance on trusting Ray. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where she, you can, it's against her, like, best instincts. This is clearly, I mean, if you think about it, she's been betrayed by both her parental figures. Like, one yeah. was abusive, and then it turned out was her actual father and terrified her that she might be a, that she might carry parts of him. Yeah. And then her mom turns her in. Yeah, exactly. So, having this moment of, like, this kindly father figure yet again turn on her is so hard to watch mm -hmm. like like the fact that kate is still a semi-functioning human being is kind of a miracle oh my god right like kate 
the girl's got a spine of steel yeah, to, to not be just, like, on the beach, like, my life is garbage and I never want to do anything again. <laughs> but, like, that's why she's the actual hero of this show, because we see Same, all of yeah. Jack's stuff, and, and it's such a female-male thing that, like, females kind of have to be the ones who hold everything together. Yeah. And, like, that's so much Jack and Kate's relationship, is Kate always has to hold it together and so the show shows us, like, everything that Jack went through. And while it's really nice to see a man, like, emote and do all of these things that, like, we don't traditionally associate with, like, masculine or masculinity, yeah. which is, like, a lot of people made fun of Jack for that. And, like, that's where the whole Jeers joke came from. But the show actually exploring his emotional range was really interesting. Mm-hmm. But that was, I felt, often at the expense of Kate. I agree. I agree. You can... I think... And I think this is where... like. I don't mean to say that having a parent who is somewhat of of a jerk is not a hardship. Very clearly, Jack did not have a happy childhood or life. Mm -hmm. But if you mark Jack's parental trauma up against Kate's parental trauma, the show puts so much more weight on the fact that Jack's dad was neglecting, neglected him and had, was too demanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like... What Kate went through is, like, so much worse and so much bigger, and the show downplays her pain and plays up his, and I think it's because they have, like, the parent angst was supposed to belong to Kate. Yeah, right. That's the Kate thing. But once Jack is still alive, you have to, like... Jack ends up taking bits and pieces, I think, from Saeed and Kate. And you can see that a lot of the time, especially when those three have to interact together, it's almost uneasy because they don't really know how to keep two characters who are fulfilling the same narrative obligation on the same page. Mm -hmm. It's why Jack and Kate so often, I think, end up folding back to what do our 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 sex parts want to do to each other. Yeah. Like, are we into each other? Do we want to rub faces? Or are we the exact same character? Exactly. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's, they fall back too much on the romance with them. And I think it's because Jack ends up taking a lot of the plot lines that were meant to belong to Kate. Yeah. And like, Sad. if you're going to have a bad dad contest, Penny. Kate wins. Locke <laughs> and Kate have. Right? Yeah. Like. Yeah. And I mean, it's, obviously, it's not a, it's not a contest. But it's not a competition. Have a contest. Penny, Kate, and uh, Locke would probably be up there. Yeah, yeah. I might give a uh, an honorable mention, honorable mention to, to Son. Sawyer. Oh, Sawyer Son. and Son. Yeah, the, uh, mm-hmm. the bad dad show. Yep, the bad dad and the conspicuously absent moms. Yep. Yeah. Th- this show is not a great one for parents. Like, I was trying to think the other day, like, how many great dads are there on Lost? Well, well yeah. Jin's dad is great. <laughs> like, and then you kind of, you kind of start falling apart after that. Uh-huh. After who? Who are we talking about first? Jin's father. Oh, is Jin, fantastic. yes. That's who I was going to bring up. I wanted to make sure that, that that we weren't saying the same person. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. He's lovely. And then, and like, then everyone else's father sucks. Hurley's <laughs> mom is okay, right? She's. Yeah. I go back and forth. I personally, I I can't the remember. The way they deal with Hurley's weight really bothers me. Ah, I yeah. see. That's I valid. do not I do not like it, especially as someone who used to be very overweight. It's every time they they take Hurley down to just being fat. It's like, it's so annoying. I'm just gonna make a fat joke. Like 
And the fact that even we're, even the people who like Hurley, even the people we're supposed to like who like Hurley, the way they devalue his size and the way his plot almost tends to revolve around his size mm-hmm. yeah. feels very uncomfortable. It's his me. identifying feature. And, like, television has not moved on from that. Nope. No. Nope. Poor Jorge. And it's and even the show makes him the butt of the joke. Yep. And it, it's very, it, that's another thing that really, I mean, let's be real here, fat phobia is one of the, the things we have not leapt forward on, yeah, on representation. Yeah. But it's even, it's even harder to watch now how much they take him down to, this dude's fat and that's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't like it. Speaking of Hurley. Yes. I heard uh, I in Walkabout... Hurley and Sawyer are fighting mm-hmm. and everything. And, like, now, like, Hurley and Sawyer are actually, like, pretty good friends. Yeah. When you, like, look yeah. up, like, at the the whole, the series as a whole. Like, they have their issues, but. They get along more often than they don't. Yeah. I think there's not a lot of conflict there for them, right? Like, they don't actually have a lot of issues with each other. It's pretty hard to have a conflict with Hurley at all. Yeah. Like, Hurley's whole role is to be the conciliator. He's the peacemaker. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, it's interesting. Like, I was in in kind of rewatching older episodes just to remind me of things. It's Hurley is the emotional heart of the show. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. If you take away Hurley, the show doesn't work as well, mm-hmm. but also the characters don't come together like they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it feels, or Claire fulfills a similar but not a central function. Yeah, they really move her away from that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I, I don't, I don't know why they did that. If they decided they wanted to take her somewhere else, or if they decided Hurley worked better. But there's, there's this thing of he's so. I mean, Hurley is the guy. It's like, how do you fight with Hurley? He doesn't want to fight with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. He wants everybody to get along. And he does it in a way that isn't annoying. Yeah, exactly. No, he's never annoying. No. And, like, I remember people hating Hurley. What? Yeah. yeah. People d- Oh, Hurley was very widely disliked, and I, I don't- To this day, I have to kind of wonder if the weight part played into it. Because it people were mean about him. It did, in the same way that the hatred of Michael was for a reason- Oh, my, do not, oh, the racism in Or Michael. the hatred oh, of Kate boy. was for a reason. Like, yep. when this show was airing... I mean, like, I I don't like Michael, but that's not because of that. It's because oh, no, no. he makes decisions that I dislike. No, we're talking about, like, oh. vitriolic levels. Like, No, yeah. Oh, yeah, where, like, the, the fan response yeah. more than, than like... Uh, it's like with Pike. Um, I've pointed this out a couple times with Pike, where... Unfortunately, if you put a big black man in a role, people, a lot of them will respond differently than if you put, like, uh, a slender white man. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. our societal conditioning is like, oh my god, scary, racist thoughts, mm-hmm. let's immediately jump there. And I think Michael being a black man and the stereotypes about black men and fatherhood, exactly. unfortunately, really poisoned the well there. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because the story of Michael and fatherhood is actually fascinating. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, there's so really much. Is. And I think it's, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember. I recall hearing some sort of internal drama, but apparently the actor was not happy with some of the things they did with Michael. I wouldn't have been happy yeah. either. 
Me either. No, it's... I think Michael is a character that... There are some characters who end up getting shortchanged by the narrative who have really great... Like, the foundations of their house are fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then once you move up to the actual house, you're like, uh, you didn't build quite the house that your foundations deserve. And I truly think and I'm a sad. Lot of the, sorry, go ahead, Rob. Oh. oh, I was just going to say that Harold Perrineau is so talented and he could do oh, so much more. Oh, so good. With Michael. He really, when they yeah. let him, When they let him work, he's just next level. And, like, I truly feel like a lot of that... Because Lost came of popularity when the internet age and, like, criticism was really coming into its own, too, yep. that played a huge role in how characters like he and, like, people who found Claire annoying, like, what happened to them. Right. Oh, I totally agree. Because, like, there were people who hated Claire. Claire was gone for all of season five. Yeah. I mean, this is the show where they literally killed off characters in an episode that was meant to point out how bad they sucked. Yep. So... <laughs> I have mixed feelings about about fan creator interaction on that level. I mean, not interaction at all, but just the thing of how much it influences writing. Yeah, like it's the glee factor. Yeah, you you want to please your audience. You do not want to pander to your audience. Exactly. Yes. I want to talk about Randy. Yes, please. Okay. Can we? I hate Randy. Okay, so Randy, we learn has is actually has been the boss of two separate main characters. So Randy was Locke's boss here, but he was also Hurley's boss at Mr. Cluck's. Wait, what? Um, yeah, Randy. Same dude. Randy Nations. Shut yeah. up. Yeah, wasn't he the manager? Yeah, he was. And then uh, when Hurley bought Mr. Cluck's, Randy was like his, was like his employee. Yes, I remember that. Oh my God. Because he was a jerk to both of them. Okay, forgot all about that. Yeah, Randy was a thing. Okay. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out was that Jack says that Kate has a hard time staying in one place. And, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Just, like, you know, that's Kate's entire thing. Like, congratulations. You've summed her up. Also, Claire comes and talks to Jack, and we can talk a little bit about how Claire and Jack end up being half-siblings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking about that as I was watching, yeah. and I, I have to say, and I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, I don't like that choice. No, I hate it. Oh, yeah, thank God. weird. Okay. It, it didn't it, it, fit. It's that everybody has to be related thing, and I don't... It's why I, I strenuously object to the idea that Kane could be Octavia or Bellamy's father, or Sinclair could be Ravens. Not everyone has to be related. We don't need secret family members, guys. And, like, when that happened, that was a shark jumping moment. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I thought that was one of their more off-the-rails choices. <laughs> Okay, Michael says he can't take credit for raising Walt, and Michael wasn't even planning on taking Walt when Susan died. Brian was supposed to, because Brian adopted Walt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Brian was like, no, that kid kind of scares me, and I can't deal with it by myself. You have to take him. And then Michael ends up being like, Brian really wants to stay with you, but he, but it's, I'm the one who gets to, even though that's not true. Yeah, that was a true parental moment. That is one of the best Michael's moments. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Michael could take could take a little bit of like Michael could teach Walt a lot. Oh yeah. yeah. And I think too it's 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 a moment of just pure selflessness. Yeah. Because he knows that this is going to make Walt dislike him even more. Like yeah. they already have friction, there's already these issues, but he can't take away another person from Walt. Like, he won't be responsible 
for the person who breaks Walt's heart yeah. one more time. And that's such a parent thing to do. Because that that's what being a parent is. Yep. It's looking your kid in the eye and saying, I know you're going to hate me for this. I know that this is not what you want. And I know that this is, you know, a choice that's going to cause friction between us. But I care so much about you. I would rather have you mad at me than have you hurt in whatever way what I'm doing is going to prevent. Yeah. You know what this is? Hmm. This is Wells. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Oh my god, it really is. But, like, in that case, I will maintain to my dying breath that Abby had no idea that Wells did that. Oh, I agree. No, no, no possible way. But, Mm -hmm. like, it's 100%, like, when you love someone, you want to save them from that, from any kind of pain. And, you know, whether or not that's good for them is a whole other thing. But for Michael, that was probably the first true parenting moment he's ever had. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, honestly, for Michael, I think that's the right choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Walt's a child, and he's just lost his mother. Unfortunately, like, and I think this is a thing, too, of where the relationship between Walt and Michael, when they write it well, is such a beautiful example of parenthood, of learning mm-hmm. to be a parent, of learning to care about someone else more than your own life. And it's, I just think it's it's that beautiful moment of, Walt's a child, and he he doesn't need to be shattered one more time. He no. doesn't need to be told that it's quite literally, quote, his fault yeah. that, you know, he's not wanted. He's not enough. He's too freaky. So that's the moment where if you're that parent, it's the responsible move to step in and to protect your child because an adult should never say that to a child. Yeah. Like, never. No kid should be like, my stepfather thinks I'm a horrible demon child and doesn't want to take care of me. <laughs> so like, that's horrible. <laughs> I I wanted to also bring up the fact that Hurley says that he used to go fishing with his dad. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, and his dad, like, Hurley has daddy issues too. His yep. dad yeah. left, and then when he came back, he only came back for the money because Hurley won the lottery. Wow, I didn't know Hurley and I had the same dad. And so the fact that he's bringing up his dad is really weird. Uh, And then also, we don't really need to talk a whole lot about Nadia, but just the fact that Nadia's being brought in already is important. Also, there's a fun fact regarding this picture of Nadia. It it was, like, originally, like, some random girl, but then they shot Solitary beforehand, and then they were like, Mm -hmm. oh, cool, now we can put our actual picture of Nadia where that was. Oh, they did! I wondered how they hooked that Yeah! Yeah. That's, that's, okay. You have so many fun facts. I love the fun facts. You need, like, Um, a fun fact song or something. That's nice. I should work on that. Like a little, like, chime or, like, a little jingle to indicate that Robin's about to share something. I like that. Let's do it from now on. Okay. Fun facts with Robin. (laughs) Use that, use that, use that. I have a question about Helen. Mm-hmm. Do you think mm-hmm. that girl's... I feel like it's not. Do you think that girl's name is really Helen, or Locke was just like, I'm gonna call you Helen because of the Helen from before in I, his life? I think he just calls her Helen. Yeah. And my, I think the he impression, someone named Helen. It, it could be. Although, honest, this is a... a this is gonna be one of those things where you're gonna make fun of me for knowing things like the coke nail. But um, <laughs> most women who work sex lines do not use their real names. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's far too dangerous. Okay, that makes sense. So I would not have been shocked if he asked if they had someone named Helen or if he just straight up said, I'm going to call you Helen. Okay. 
I, by the way, I assumed his friend didn't know that she's not the old Helen. Yeah, oh. either that or he's just like doesn't know that she's a, she's yeah, not an actual like, person that he talks to. Actually, I kind of assumed that he had referred to Helen previously, like the actual Helen, and then when that oh. went belly up, he just kept talking about Helen, and he never updated. Like, P.S. Now Helen is a lady I call on the sex line. Oh, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> is that not? Yeah. Because yeah. think about Locke having to admit that he lost her. That he had this woman who was devoted and was, you know, way less hung up on his disability than he was. Mm-hmm. And he screwed it all up. Because it's his fault. God yeah. love Locke. But it's 1,000% his fault. And I can see him not being able to own that. Yeah. And kind of living in a fantasy world where if I'm telling these people Helen is still around, maybe Helen is still around. Yeah. <sighs> That's harsh. Another it's thing is... Sad. Bernard's not dead. That's just it. Bernard is Rose is always right. Also, um, there's a fun fact. What's my thing? I don't know what it is. Fun facts with Robin. Okay, cool. Yeah, into it. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Someone said that they had a rental receipt for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Okay, are you with me? Yeah. I am. The movie tells a story of a group of people invited to a factory who are secretly candidates to replace the man currently running it. Oh my god, that's... Shut up. I never... Shut up. And I'm obsessed with their literary Easter eggs. That's amazing. Oh my god. Snaps. That's fantastic. I'm so happy right now. (laughs) The one thing I wanted to say is the kind of... We're already getting into the man of science, man of faith dichotomy yeah, yeah. between all the characters. I have written down here, Kate, Locke, and Rose are standing in for the man of faith in this time around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then and then you have the man of science with you've got Jack poking holes in things. You've got Saeed. You've got Sawyer. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that they're already building up that dichotomy. Like, I know... The show kind of boils it down to Jack v. Locke, but really it is the conflict of the show. You have people who believe in logic and people who believe in faith, Mm -hmm. and they're constantly clashing. So thank you so much for sticking around. If you uh, stayed and listened to the spoiler segment of the podcast, we wanted to give another big thank you to Sarah for joining us for this episode. My beautiful. Thank you guys for having me. Tropical starfish. We'll see you next you, season. Yeah? Yes, please. <laughs> I will come back literally anytime. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, can you tell us where we can find you on social media again? Yes. I can be found on Twitter at Oscar Mike, to all one word. And I can be found on Tumblr at Nolzian, just like Beyonce's last name. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much on everything. I don't know, not even just Twitter. Whatever. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Appertania, and uh, that's the only place that I'm Britannia except for a Tumblr, but don't go find that. <laughs> <laughs> our Facebook page is facebook.com slash theafficionados. Um, and our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. Okay, that's it. We did it. Yay. It's real long, but it's for you. Okay, love you. Bye. love you. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye, bye, bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.
Right behind you, jackass.